Welcome to Unbooking the Territories. We continue our journey through the highest and lowest TV rated episodes of Monday Night Wars for each creative period. This week sees Kevin Nash's lowest rated episode. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. You want to see the text message my little sister Shalene sent me last night? There, here it is. OMG, Kevin Nash, WTF, thought he was dead, LOL. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective, play. We ain't here to play. The funny thing is, Shalene is normally wrong. And here you are, live and in living color. It's just your career that's dead, right? Shut your mouth and say thank you, Mr. Nash. Because as far as I'm concerned, if this is where the business is right now, where some guy that looks like a short order cook from a Pikeville Waffle House is a champion, take a shower, hit the weights, get a clue. So how are you this week, Dan? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Usual, as we were mentioning off air. Uh, my granddad's dog tried to uh, tried to eat a dead squirrel, so I had to wrestle him for that. Not that I was hungry as well, just uh, didn't want the poor bastard to poison himself. And that just kind of der- derailed my whole evening. But I'm uh, I'm invincible now. I've been uh, double penetrated by the COVID vaccine. So yeah, feeling pretty good. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm. J- I'm just worried that you're going to get some kind of squirrel pox. Uh, well, I'm full. Of, given that I've I've had to touch a dead squirrel and I've got the five G superpowers from the vaccine, I am expecting to be like a a fat sort of cosplaying uh, squirrel girl by uh, by the end of next week. So business as usual then. Yeah, pretty much, except, uh, no, I can't say that out loud. So we've got a guest this week, Dan. We have. I'm excited. You've just skimmed over how you are, which I think uh, I think sums up your week, probably. But we've I got... I can go into it if you want. So on Saturday, I took the car in. I needed. I thought I needed two tyres, and it turned out I needed four tyres, so that, that doubled that you do tend to You do tend to need four tyres for a car, yeah? Yeah, but new ones, Dan, new ones. Oh, um, right, OK. Yeah, and then I chipped my tooth, so... You know, that, that was a trip to the dentist and uh, more expense. And then I was mowing the lawn and the lawnmower broke. So in the same day, I managed to rack up quite a lot. Nice. Nice. But you didn't have to touch a dead squirrel. No, no. So but, so, yeah. so you win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I win the shit sticks. But yeah, you said we've got a guest and uh, we've, got, we've got our first actual wrestler on the show. We've got a former, former Rise hardcore champion, a man of many, many, many talents. He's a lawyer. He's a pilot. He's got a shithead son called Miles. And for my money, the most one of the most entertaining men in wrestling today, Wing Commander Nash. How are you doing, sir? Oh, you're too kind. You're too kind, Dan. Thank you very much. Yes, lawyer, pilot, father, uh, non-squirrel catcher, anus eater. Uh, I don't have four ball tyres. I have... Several tyres for the jets. Uh, we don't go into the expense of those. Anything else missed? No, I've not chipped my tooth. Uh, it's, it's, it's the weekend. It's partay time. Probably going to partaking some sitting in my underpants and playing Mortal Kombat 11 on the old PlayStation 5. Uh, anything else happened? I've had spaghetti bolognese, as I heard. Dan has also had spaghetti bolognese. But on top of his spaghetti bolognese, his contained squirrel nuts. Mine didn't. And we don't mean any form of, like, Brazil nut or, you know, any form of actual nut. It wasn't just the testicles off the squirrel. My word. Priming a bit of... Priming a bit of... <laughs> the, bu- the bullshit alarm has arrived. 
new feature of the show, thanks to uh, thanks to Mr. Nash over there, the bullshit alarm, which I've got a feeling we're going to be using quite a lot tonight. Oh, yes. So before we get into reviewing the show, we um, gave you five categories to prioritise in order of which is most important to you. So, so Wing Commander, which is uh, your most important? Oh, now it's a bit of a mixed bag because uh, watching wrestling in any way, shape or form, I like to see and enjoy. I can't look at wrestling and going, oh, that should have been there, that should have been there, this round here, that round there. So upon watching uh, today's recommended episode to review and return and go through, myself, I must admit, this was the very, 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 very first time I have ever watched WCW on the television. It was, there was, there was fireworks, I know know why British wrestling shows have so much bloody metal rigging around because one of them's either trying to be Raw or WCW. I w- Nitro Girls <laughs> clearly missed out on seeing that. So uh, yeah, and wrestling. There was some wrestling. It took about half an hour, like me, but it gets there. Yeah, it. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Can I say storyline? I'm not sure because I felt like I was watching the Avengers top ten films, but I started at the sixth film, which was before the fourth film, but then was ahead of the tenth film. I was a little bit confused. A man was angry. He was angry at another man. Why was this man angry? He's, he had a, a sign with numbers. Yeah, to go back to the question, storyline. We'll go for a storyline. We'll, we'll see where we're going. So it started off quite strong. So I yeah, storyline. We'll go for storyline. Something we can set the ground to before we start getting overexcited. Because we just had the Nitro Girls and some guitar riffs on bow, bow, and shaky booty. So for a storyline, it was the start intro to what looked like the resemblance of the running man and the game show beginning and all the ladies dancing and Arnold Schwarzenegger going, ah, i be back. But it was WCW without Arnold Schwarzenegger. Show presentation. We'll go for show presentation. I want, I want, I want to feel I'm in the area. I'm in the zone. Presentation. I want to be presented with something. I don't want to go and sit in the darkness and look at a couple of fairy lights attached to a chair in the ceiling. I want to be, I want to be in the vibe. Fair enough. So I think that's the first time we've had someone put presentation top. But it's uh, as uh, Rob keeps saying, wrestling's a buffet. It's uh, it's all good. So what's uh, what's your number two? Uh, my number two itself would have to be in-ring. So we've got a presentation. I'm in awe of how everything looks. And then uh, it's the in-ring goodies, uh, the ability of the chaps, how how they look when they're... I want to believe someone's getting battered. I don't want to believe somebody's might be getting battered. So if you, you've already wowed me with the stage, now the people getting in to the ring to accompany the stage, as you say, like a buffet. I've got my sausage rolls, I've got my egg rolls, but now I'm feeling a bit different. I want to get myself a little bit of, bit of, bit of, bit of Mexican splash, have myself some nachos to dip. So I need to know that the boys are going to come in and the girls are going to come in and it's going to be, they're going to do something to, how do you make it sexy, live? I want them to play with the area that's being provided. That sounds filth. I do apologise. Bullshit. <laughs> It obviously went it went filthier a lot later than I expected it to. Um, but I've got, I've got to ask though, with the with the Mexican splash, is that how we ended up with uh, El Commando? No, El Commando. I have no idea who El Commando is. I am not El Commando. It's just somebody who has the same body shape and same moving ability as me. Uh, it's still up for discussion where El Commando is. 
where he lives, what his real name is, and how he ha happens to look a little like me, as far as I'm aware, I'm an only child. I heard he'd taken that uh, orphanage over from El Generico. We don't speak about that because tax reasons, so bullshit alarm. <laughs> Which would you rank next? I would go for promo. Promotional from the wrestlers. They've had a bout. Have they won the bout? Did they lose the bout? How do they feel about the bout? Who's this coming out to talk about the next bout? I want to know where the story's going. Who's the man in charge? Who's the lady in charge? Promotional. I want to know what I'm going to see later on in the show to keep me from going to the toilet or leaving early because my last bus, my last train, or my last taxi is being ordered. Yeah. And what have you got next? Like myself, it'd be the fan responses. Uh, kind of, you're there for you to watch and take in what's happening. But uh, the fan response, if I'm in a room and nobody else is making a noise because they're looking on their phones because they're disinterested, I will certainly be making up the noise for them because I like wrestling. I will shout and scream. Scream and shout. Let it out. Britney Spears. <laughs> That's very much our uh, our opinion, isn't it, Rob? We'll, uh, I'll just bring up yet again the uh, the NXT UK taping we went to in New York and uh, uh, Rob got shushed. What? Yeah, a wrestling purist. For the first time I've been shushed at the wrestling. Oh, by a prick. No, I don't know about wrestling purists, but by a prick. I had to put him in a headlock and punched him in the nose. <laughs> it was a lot of effort. It was a couple of rows down. No, I'd have made the effort. So did you have storyline as your most important? Yeah. But, mm, was, it, was it the so, pre no, presentation first? Yeah. Then storyline. Show presentation. Ooh, that looks good. In-ring... Oh, fuck this right up. Yeah, yeah. So, from the top, <laughs> make it drop. That's a doobie-doobie. Uh, <laughs> Storyline, show presentation, in-ring, promos, fan response. Because I don't care about anybody else's opinions but my own when I'm watching wrestling and enjoying it. That logic sounds familiar. Yeah, exactly. You used that, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I believe I've used the word fuck a couple more times, but, Yeah. <laughs> So, what's everyone drinking at the moment? Uh, I'm drinking some Carlsberg to begin with, but there is a cheeky bottle of gin, gin, gin in the kitchen, gin, gin, uh, which once I've finished the eight pints of Carlsberg, I may teeter towards. Don't tell my PT that I was drinking tonight. He thinks I'm in the gym, but I'm not in the gym. Oh, you completed your workout earlier, though, didn't you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I was, oh, worked so hard. Uh, whoa, whoa. I can still see the sweat steaming off you, mate. I know exactly how hard you've worked. Top, I'm, I'm top like, workout. I'm like the poo in the from the Triceratops in Jurassic Park when that woman sticks her hand in. I'm just hot, steaming. <laughs> that was not where I expected that to go. <laughs> then what do you want? What do you want, Rob? I'm just finishing off um, in, in honour of Alex Wright or Berlin being on this show. Uh, I found a beer called Hello, Ich bin uh, Raspberry Berliner from uh, Michela, which is a, a sour. And then I'm going to go on to One Eye from Tooth and Claw, which is a 7.8% IPA. Ooh. And I've got a Buxton Brewery Costa Rican Coffee Extra Porter. So I've had that one. Spent. That's a beer 52 special. Yeah, um, well, the, the, the first one was from Salt Air Wines, and the second one, the second two are beer 52 specials. Mm. Fair enough. Well, I'm on. 
some some homebrew, funnily enough, my mate Gary uh, at Invader Gary on Twitch, he uh, decided that it'd be a laugh to make uh, make cider in his bedroom. Um, either that, or he's serving you up some some toilet wine. Uh, he claims it's uh, nine point. He claims it's nine point four percent. It certainly tastes it. It's not half bad. But if I uh, if I suddenly start screaming, it's because I've gone blind. Then after that, I've got a spiral static peanut butter and marshmallow stout from Turning Point. That's a good ten percenter. And then I'm going on to a beer called uh, the Revenge, which is a maple and pecan imperial milk stout. It's part of the Brew York Freaky franchise series. So yeah, I'm looking forward to those. Nash, why do you look like you're about to be sick? Bloody milk stout. Yeah. Lock, lockdown's done incredible things to my beer taste. <laughs> Hello, have you got some uh, some flowers you're going to dip in that water that's got alcohol in it? I'll take three candles. No, that's IPAs. These are stouts. These are uh, proper mm. heavy, fu- proper heavy, proper heavy. Fuck you up, bullshit. I'm, uh, oh. Dan may not be all the way through this podcast by the end of it. He may just tilt off his chair and be fast asleep. Find out if it happens, and if it doesn't, we'll hit the bullshit alert. Dancing in the room. Well, well, snoring down the mic will make a change from farting down it like last week. <laughs> Dan, what do you think about that? Might get more sense out of it. <laughs> well, the goal of this podcast is always to make no sense by the end. Oh, my life. So now it's time for the listeners to sit back and be the vir- probably just the virtual Nia Jax at this point. It looks like uh, Shayna Baszler as uh, kicking Reginald to the curb. So um, sit back and relax and be the virtual Nia Jackson. We'll be the virtual Reginald and recommend a beer that uh, you should drink while you're watching this episode of Monday Nitro. So uh, do you have a uh, recommendation, uh, Wing Commander? Yes. I have had my eyes turned to hard seltzer. So I did the White Claw because America. Then I did Mike's Hard Water. No idea who Mike is or if he's hard, but his water tastes good. But I recently found that Bud Light have also brought a hard seltzer. And I'm unsure if this hard seltzer is harder than the others I've tried. But at 5%, and once you burp, it feels like you've drunk nothing until you've had 12 cans and you're legless and you're struggling to get off the couch to make a move to the toilet. So my recommendation would be the Bud Light version of a hard water. This is a terrible advertisement. This is why Budweiser don't pay me. I'm just going to hop onto the Google machine. I'm going to Google the internet. <laughs> bud hard seltzer. Hold on to your to your taste buds. The served hard seltzer. Bud hard. It is light and refreshing hard seltzer from Buzz. Buzz. Bud buzz. Light. Buzz color. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's asking for my date of birth. The app's offended me. But basically, Bud Light do a hard seltzer. So dive on in, pop a can, take off your pants, and enjoy the booze. And end up pissing on your sofa. That's why I buy leather. It just runs off. Uh, have you got a recommendation, Dan? Uh, I actually actually forgot to, to think about this until just now. Uh, but, given the, uh, but given the quality of this episode, I'd recommend anything above uh, 9% alcohol because you're going to need it. Yeah, that, that was the logic I went down. I went for Dancing Gnome from Northern Monk, um, one of the patron projects. It's... Uh, Calico and coffee fudge Sunday at 12% Imperial Stout, and I think you'll need it for this episode of Nitro to spice things up. Ooh. Oh, you've just reminded me I drank a beer on the Patrons Project called Ghost Venom, uh, whichever that one was. That was a really nice, like, 12% Imperial Stout that absolutely fucked me up. 12%? Oh. 
Need to get you out drinking, Nash. No, I once had a drink of a German beer called Dab, and it came in a, a keg, and you could self-dispense. And I drank the entire keg. <sighs> had a hangover for about three days. Disgusting. <laughs> Nash, they're making the best sound in the world a can opening. <laughs> Delicately. So now it's time for Beth's Beer of the Week. And Beth's Beer of the Week is Whitbeer with orange peel and coriander by something that I cannot say. And Beth's Beer of the Week is Whitbeer, which is an orange peel and coriander. It's from Bruger Lecker and it's 4.9% uh, wheat beer. She gave it five and untapped. Uh, I've given it three and a half. And Dan, who's supposed to be generous with these ratings, gave it one out of five. <laughs> no, that, was, that was fucking generous. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was fucking generous. I remember that beer. That was another beer fifty-two special, and I would frankly have rather licked that squirrel's anus, that dead squirrel's anus that I pulled out of the dog's mouth. <laughs> wow, that was like an. Amazon Who the fuck puts coriander in a beer? Yeah. It was surprising. Sounds like it no, should. It wasn't. Been. Stop lying. Just in terms of the ratings, uh, we went through this uh, on the last Kevin Nash episode. He was in charge for 31 episodes with an average of 3.77. That compares to Kevin Sullivan before with an average of 3.66. But uh, when Sullivan was in charge, the ratings were going up and up. And when Kevin Nash was in charge, the ratings were going down and down and down. And then it compares to Kevin Sullivan is going to come back with Terry Taylor with an average of 3.17. As we say, this is the lowest rated episode of Kevin Nash's time in charge. It uh, came from the MGM Grand Arena in Las Vegas on the 23rd of August, 99. And there was an attendance of 8,940 in the mm. audience. So slightly down from some of the uh, previous WCW shows we've reviewed. Uh, we've, we've, sorry to interrupt, Rob. We've, we've actually been joined by another guest. Wing Commander's cat has appeared. <laughs> Gary. Hello, Gary the cat. He's presenting his anus. <laughs> Move, cat. <laughs> no, well, anus to the cam. But you say about the attendance, Rob. I'm pretty sure at one. <laughs> uh, cat asses, terrible things. I'm pretty sure that in the commentary at one point they say that the attendance was eighteen thousand, not eight. Eight, ten thousand invisible people. Yeah, I mean, because well, I'd seen that it said eighteen thousand, but then I'd looked it up on Cage Match and uh, Wrestling Data, and it was saying um, eight thousand nine hundred and forty. So, yeah, well, I could the MGM the, the MGM Grand that arena is used for a lot of boxing events, and I'm not even sure it takes eighteen thousand. I think it's maybe twenty thousand tops, but for that to happen, then you have to have like a minimalist walk, like a minimalist walkway and stage area, which they usually have for boxing. So I just I knew for a fact they were bullshitting there. A, a wrestling company lying about their attendance, Dan. I, I will not stand for this. I, I <laughs> know, it's, it doesn't really crowd, happen. From the pictures, it looked like there was 52. <laughs> <laughs> and 17 of them were me taking up a side <laughs> of the ring to myself. The, the other crowd were the wrestlers that weren't wrestling at the time, ready to shit on the other wrestlers. <laughs> it sounds like AEW. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, we'll get the AEW slander out of the way early. <laughs> I, I've really enjoyed this week, actually, where AEW moving to Friday night because it, it meant I didn't have to watch it on Wednesday. 
That's your first warning, Pussycat. Back with me again, you'll be going out. Yeah, it's like it's like World of Sport, this. The cat's just had a public warning. <laughs> I'm going to tell you now, that's the first card. If you begin to purr again, you'll be getting a second. I swear, I'll throw you up the building. What, what were we talking about? Well... Uh, now it's time to go through the show and between us nominate uh, five moments from the show, be they good, bad or just notable. So uh, as you're the guest wing commander, uh, what's your first moment, uh, notable moment from the show? And this can be from any point in the show. Any point in the show. Yeah, any point whatsoever. Good old boys. My oh, fuck. Gary, bugger off. Find a job. The good old boys, the West Texas Rednecks. That little promo where they're in a car and I'm watching it and I'm going, no, the good old boys. Who's the good? Is that Mr. Bloody Perfect? What the f- What? And it just excelled and grew and grew and I wanted nothing more in my life than the West Texas Rednecks to be a full-time thing. I thought, I think I'm doing a show tonight. Is this a, is this a bill for them to arrive? Is this a skit gone wrong? The West, the West Texas Rednecks with the good old boys. Oh. That was that was that was my thing for the evening. That's one hands down the greatest thing I've ever seen in my bloody life. Driving down the road in the pickup truck, they're like long-legged country girls who know how to love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and at that point in the video, when they said they're like long-legged girls who know how to, it cut to a child. Yeah, yeah. I was like, mm, unfortunate, unfortunate editing. So, so we got the debut of the West Texas Rednecks video, and then we got the first live performance. Oh my, that was poor. I, poor. I wanted to get a steps in and join in. Fucking uh, Alabama uh, busted. Uh, <laughs> and then you just sort of start hearing the noise, the, the music, the, the cameraman's on the walkway by the concession stands, and they, mm. they go into the arena, and you see the West Texas Rednecks making their, their entrance. So, yeah, and, and they go on and win the match. So, in, in all, we got that song four times on this show. Uh, if, it's a, if it's a good enough hit, give them more. Four times was the score. It wasn't, yeah. though. It was <laughs> fucking terrible. Don't you talk. Stop it, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. Yeah, that bullshit alarm was always going to come back and bite me in the ass. <laughs> it's going in nah. the iTunes music. I'm going to jam that bad boy out pre-workout in the gym. Do my knee, guys. Just having a bit of the old good old boys. We're like ladies who love. <laughs> but it was fucking awful. No. It was beautiful. It was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. After what I'd witnessed beforehand, that raised the bar. It lifted me up Westlife style. Yeah. As long as it had an effect on you. <laughs> yes. It certainly made my top five. It, I don't know if it was good or, or horrible or, or in the middle, but uh, he, he certainly remembered it. Uh, it got it better because then the Nitro Girls popped up after they... So they finished the concert. Out come the Nitro Girls. Win, win. Ding, ding. Hello. <laughs> Did you just turn into a fucking flash out from Blackadder then for a second? <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> you, you, you were only missing a wolf. <laughs> oh, God. For that, like I said, we're coming at this from very different angles because... That music video and the song was terrible. The the quote unquote live performance was the only good thing about it was Kurt Henning perfectly lip syncing. The rest of it was so badly performed, even <laughs> top of the pops at class it is too shit. <laughs> Kurt nearly corpsed and he was like, hey, baby, and then turned and was like, oh, and then came back to camera. 
What was it? I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this shit. <laughs> it's like, I'm making money. Oh, just yeah. Poor. What a, what a concert and a half. The, the, oh. to, be, to be in that crowd with those other 8,000 people. Tony Schiavone said, there's nothing like a good country song. And that was nothing like a good country song. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. That was a brilliant call. That was one of Tony Schiavone's <laughs> finest moments. Absolute nail on the fucking head. So do you think it should be in our top five, Dan? I think we all agree, but I think um, me and Nash, are, uh, Nash thinks it's a positive. I think it's a negative, and you're just sat there wondering what the fuck you've watched. <laughs> but at least you remember it. You know, what, what, from modern wrestling, you watch the show, like, you, know, you watch Raw or whatever. What do you take away from it? Probably very little. But you remember the West Texas Rednecks. God damn it, them beautiful beasts. Well, the good news is I've nearly finished the homebrew and I'm not blind yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> I'll just give you a little spoiler for the episode that we're reviewing next week. Virgil tries to become a member of the West Texas Rednecks because he says there's a yeah. cowboy. Oh. He uh, decides that his name will be Curly Bill, which is funny because he's bald. <laughs> Hang on. Bollocks. <laughs> Also, did you see in the video? Did you see in the video? They had that probably mentioned on previous episodes how creepy it was on that. Um, was it a Christmas advert where Freddie Blassie just seems to be having a parade of cosplaying children in front of him? Yeah. In that music video, what was the aging thing that was going on? It like it showed them like young rednecks aging into the current West Texas rednecks, and then yeah, at one point yeah. they were just 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 pissing off a bridge. Yeah, well, don't get me wrong. Pissing off a bridge is probably fun. Perfect was but... definitely peeing because he was proud of it because he gave that it was like, look, guys, full bladder, head to left and right. Acknowledge me, I'm pissing into a river. Check out my stream. <laughs> look at that perfect piss. Wee, can't say it anymore. It's a redneck. <laughs> Fully hydrated. <laughs> per perfectly hydrated, boys. <laughs> With his perfect foreskin. I bet he's got really smooth balls. Probably. S spheres of a god. <laughs> so what's your uh, next one, Dan? We mentioned him... Well, you mentioned him before, Rob. I want to talk about Berlin. Oh. Because they were going all in uh, on Berlin. It was just a, what a massive turnaround in, in look and character for Alex Wright. I think the last time... Well, certainly the last time I remember seeing him on Nitro, he was, you know, he was just his... Happy, smiley, dancing, bullshit wanker. I think he was even in various TV title feuds, and then he comes back with this like industrial sort of rivet head kind of character. And it, it genuinely takes, you have to do like a double or triple take to realize that it's actually Alex Wright. Because he's got the black, mo, black mohawk, the goatee, the, um, <laughs> the, uh, the very 1999 Matrix knockoff sunglasses. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, the walking stick. And it was actually, just looking at the character, it, it had a um, sort of tumultuous time coming into being because uh, it, it, Wright was off TV for months to obviously, well, presumably to grow his hair out and get the dye sorted. <laughs> but they uh, they had to delay it because of the uh, the similarities in, in dress uh, for the way the Columbine shooters looked. Yeah, um, yeah it was just... Uh, the fun, you know, the fact they still went all in on it. They obviously had the, uh, you know, very, very topically ten years after the fact, the Berlin Wall coming down. In the first one, they've got no, uh, no victory, K-N, spelled K-N-O-W, no victory, no defeat, Berlin. 
and then uh, they had the uh, the second one, which was they had some other slogans from what was it technical, determined, victorious. Mm. Berlin. They even had the uh, they even had the uh, the neon a dash of neon green in the background just to hammer home the uh, the Matrix tie. And I'm assuming Matrix has been released at this point. If not, then they were weirdly prescient. Must have been. And then they they even had it again, obviously because he's debuting the next week. So they sprinkled it well throughout the show, which was actually a a feature of of quite a few stories, like said before, the West Texas Rednecks. I think Berlin definitely deserves a mention. Matrix came out on the 14th of July, 1999. So we are. Mm, could have got into some last-minute edits then. Good. But the thing that with, with the Berlin chap, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was never before, never again, Berlin versus David Hasselhoff. I was expecting the Hoff in the show. <laughs> I was expecting from the wall to the ring... You were expecting the Hoff, and instead all you got was hassle. Yeah, I was like, there's Nitro Girls, put them in some red swimsuits, out comes the Hoff, probably in kit. He'll get out of the car, he'll hit, hit him with a smile, a couple of cheeky punches, Berlin will fall like the wall, job done, send him home happy, sell, sell the merch, buy the merch, hit the bullshit alert, because it didn't fucking happen, I was emotional. Where were you in 1999? Nash should have probably uh, Kevin Nash should have probably gone for that. <laughs> Although I'm assuming I'm assuming they just couldn't afford David Hasselhoff. You'd think there'd been like a a little uh, a little Rolodex of Hasselhoff. You owe the company at such and such an appearance. Can you just pull up in kit and just talk some hot jibes to a chap called Berlin, and we'll see where it goes from there. And it'd be like can't reshooting Baywatch at night. It's not going to happen. Just ah. Uh... It's just sadness. I wanted that so bad. I've even got it in my notes. Berlin versus Hasselhoff. Never before. Never again. Never happened. Never happened. What WCW, the wrestling world missed. WCW actually did a Baywatch crossover, didn't they? Was that, that had, Thunder in Paradise? Yeah, well, they had Thunder in Paradise. The other thing about this Berlin and getting pulled from because of the Columbine shooting. So Columbine happened on the 20th of April, '99. And WCW said they were pulling the gimmick immediately. But Berlin is interviewed as part of Louis Farouk's Weird Weekends, which is filmed on the Nitro on the 26th of April. So they had him there the following week. Mm. <laughs> just, just like testing the water. Just like, yeah. shall we? Is six days too soon? Uh, it'll be on the BBC, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what you're like, pays for. BBC America, BBC America doesn't exist yet. Fuck them. Gentlemen, I can't unsee Hulk Hogan in striped red and yellow bicycle shorts, thrusting up a pose with Pamela Anderson and Macho Man, and they're all just casually chilling out with the WC Derby Championship. Oh, my eyes have been bleached. There's oh, you know, oh, uh, Hogan in teeny tiny trunks with Pam in a teeny tiny suit. Oh, I need to put the phone down. <laughs> you looked up, he looked up Thunder Lips in Paradise then. <laughs> this is where we need a VPN sponsorship, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> to hide your secrets from your wife, use VPN 555. It's available from the Miles Dynasty Live at Pride. So, are we all agreed that Berlin is making the list on the top five? <laughs> yeah, well, what a dude. Yeah, got one in early this week. Yeah, well, you, 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 you had one that you didn't want last week that you recommended, so it's... Uh... Yeah, that fucked up. Don't bring it up, please. (laughs) I'm going to go with a negative, and since it's the first time we've reviewed an episode of Nitro since 
the marketing department have uh, got their hands on Nitro. It's that god awful logo. Uh, ah, okay. Talk to me, Rob. When did the logo change? Well, right, was I looking at the cat's anus, as they called it? Yeah, that that was the cat's anus uh, logo. So I think it changed about the April. Top yeah, of my head. It was, the the WCW was was quite a, a thick lettered logo. There was nothing fancy or trendy. It was it did what it said in the tin, and then you had was it Thunder was the name of one of the shows, and then Nitro was the other. So yeah, it cascaded down. So yeah, the WCW was close, big, thick letters, close together, and then whatever the show underneath, uh, the title show, and that's how it used to be. Was is, is that correct? Yeah, it is. And the other thing was that they had like the um, the ring, the mats around the ring had like flames on them. Ooh. And, like in this show, they just had grey mats and a grey apron. Yeah, and I thought that was a giant cover. I was like, is that hiding a canvas from a pay per view? What? Because it looked like they basically erected the ring, not put the ropes on. Pulled a giant bedsheet over the top and went, you are now a ghost. And then applied the ropes over the top. <laughs> I, I think they paid a lot of money for this this slick new branding. Uh, and it was just awful. Yeah. No, I missed the flames on the outside as well. With the flames on the outside, it was like you were wrestling surrounded by one of Guy Fieri's shirts. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. But yeah, th this new logo is absolutely fucking terrible. It's so true. It, it's it's try-hard. Like, oh. they're trying really hard to be cool for the time. But like... It, so watching this when I was a kid, I was looking at it because I used to catch like the end or the syndicated show um, on a Friday night, and it took me weeks to realise that the two blocks of nonsense either side of the cat of what you what they called the cat's anus, which I'd completely forgotten until you said about it. <laughs> it took me so long to realise that they're supposed to be W's. Yes, yeah. that was dog shit as well because I was like, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, so that's they're, they're supposed to be the W. For the people on the podcast that can't see me, I'm doing W's my finger. It looks weird. They were supposed to be the W's. And then I looked and I was like, oh, have they taken the C and gone, we've not got any floor space. Let's turn it upside down. So we W, C, W. I was like, and then I saw as uh, one of the chaps came down the ring that they then projected the remainder of the C on the ramp that you could only see if the camera was slightly high. So it was W, half a curly cut. W weird bacon grill fingers. Uh, was the, uh, was the, the set before? Did it have WCW normal? Yeah. They, did, they didn't sort of come through the middle of it. It was just the uh, uh, you know steel version of the logo by the side that they'd kind of walked past. Oh, okay, That's, that makes more. Yeah, sense. it was just a, it was just a, like a normal entr uh, entrance way with the um, you know with the usual metal surrounds mm. um, previously, but. Yeah, it just looked terrible. And then they tried to weirdly merge the new logo with like the old colour scheme and and all that. But the new logo is meant to be all like, you know, silver and black and some weird bluey grey bullshit colour. But then they're trying to merge it with, the, with like the red and the orange of the yeah. previous stuff. And it was just so gabbled. It was a fucking mess. Uh, and this used to be baby blue. Sorry, Rob. The, the, the original WCW ring of us was like a sky blue base on the canvas itself with the with dark aprons. And yeah, you know, they'd often have like sponsorships on it as well. They'd have like, you know, like in New Japan where hmm. they've got these. So they'd have like Snickers or whatever on there. But I didn't even notice that this time. So no. I think even Snickers went, nah, not on this branding. <laughs> oh, they even. They, nope. Speaking of, speaking of like stuff being scaled back, 
how shit was the um, the CGI flames in just the opening bit? Now, the original Nitro had those, like, it was legit flames. They'd obviously set up some pyrotechnics and rigged it up for, like, practical effects. Like, flames running down the street and down the street, and then you had big, proper explosions. And this was, like, sub-PS2 flame effects. Whoa. Yeah. Final Fantasy. Detailed city. Crap explosion above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't actually this wasn't actually on my list, but I can see why you put it on. On the 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 fucking digitized Nitro girls as well just look crap. It was like looking at an old like a really old fighting game. <laughs> oh, the venom! Well, oh, I've not paid to watch this. I'm not, I'm glad I'm a kid. I'm not paid for lucky bill to watch this. Stuff, I tell you. I don't even remember it from when I was a kid. It was that bad. Oof. The only good thing about it was that they moved the uh, the, the bullshit W's on the ent- on the uh, on the actual entrance as wrestlers yeah. walked out. Very Mike Miz. Uh, when I, I was like, did I just see that slide open? I was like, very cool conveyor belt. But the way they'd done it, you could sort of see them walking behind it as well. So when they were trying to do <laughs> interviews and whatever, you could see whoever was just stood there waiting to come oh. out. Oh, some of the production on that show, within the first hour. Oh, oh! You could just hear everything, everything being said backstage. Oh, yeah, it, it it wasn't good. Do we think that this should make our top five? Or mm. yeah, for being terrible. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I've got some. Uh, I've got some other crap I want to get into. So, might do you mind if we stick a pin in that one for now? Yeah, yeah, we'll stick a pin in it. So, when kind of you're next. Gentlemen, I don't know if you saw it, but I did, and I did a little scream. The camera did a cheeky little pan around. Where's my notes? I need to make sure I get this exact description. There we go. An hour and 16 minutes into it, there was a drag queen, a pimp, and Jason Momoa lookalike just chilling out at ringside. (laughs) And this pimp was in bright pink. (laughs) I did not see this. Well, do you remember... WWF used to have the couple that would go in shell suits, and the gentleman had a very orange baked bean head. And every pay per view, you would see the two shell suit people smack bang there. So the wrestling's going on. You could always see in the war the, the CNA shell suit of doom. And then one oh. year, I can't remember the exact year, but they were no longer there. And I was gutted because they were they were they were my eye candy. On entrance, I was like, there's shell suit man with his bald head and an orange skin. <laughs> the camera pans, and I was like, oh, I can't really shit Jason Momoa. Oh, there's a massive pimp. Oh, and there's a drag queen that's not quite a drag queen. <laughs> and then the camera panned off him, and I was gutted. <laughs> I was genuinely gutted. Because I wanted to see, those lads have gone, I've got an idea, guys. Why don't you dress like Jason Momoa, that nobody knows of right now, because it's 1999. I'll wear this trendy lady's outfit. And it's like, well, you're a pimp. I've seen your pictures. Why don't you just come along for the ride? <laughs> Are you, sure, are you sure they didn't think they were going to the dart? <laughs> you told me this would a crucible. What's that guy doing <laughs> in a wrestling ring? Yeah, this is we've we've come a bit far for Ali Pally here, lads. <laughs> what the what the fuck's going on? I want to see a proper man sport, not this wrestling bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Jason Momoa, a giant pimp and a man in drag, but questionable drag because he had very glittery skin. But that also ties in. With Lenny, Lenny was an experience to watch, very much so. Lenny learned like if you bought Adrian Street off Wish. Oh, oh my God, I've never seen a more accurate description of a man. 
<laughs> the chance. I thought I was the only one who got a really awkward chant at a wrestling show. This one topped it. That we will. I don't think we need to go into those chants because no, they were no. very, very, very unsavory. <laughs> but when it, I was like, did I, let me just skip back 10 seconds. I'm not quite sure I heard that correctly. Yep, definitely saying it. Oh, now they've shortened it. It's getting worse. Wow. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't. It, it... It wasn't good. Hopefully, hopefully people have learned and uh, moved on. But I did see the uh, the pimp rocking his fedora. Um, oh, what a man! Throwback. What a man! He had no cares in the world. He was there to display his wares. So, I, mean, yeah, I missed that. So I, I missed that. So I can't agree with it. Sadly, <laughs> can't have it on the top five. I'm so, I'm so mad, Rob. So, I'm, I'm, Rob, can I can I go to Dan's house and just smash his windows? Well, anyone can if they can find him. <laughs> I'm gonna find you. I'm gonna know where you live, damn. I'm gonna come to your house. I'll get the beers in the fridge, then, shall I? Yeah, we'll have a drink and I'll question if I'm gonna beat you up. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your next one, Dan, before people start throwing rocks through your window? <laughs> I wanna talk about Sid Vicious. Oh. The Millennium Man. Or oh, the Man for the New Millennium, whatever they called it. Oh, now she's off. It might fight in the microphone. I'm opening a window, I'm so angry. <laughs> yeah, Sid Vicious comes out, interrupts the uh, the opener. Five-star technical classic between Mikey Whipwreck and Chase Tatum. What? <laughs> and uh, just walks in, decides to powerbomb Whipwreck, pins uh, Whipwreck. You got, I think, was it Charles Robinson who was following him with the uh, with yep, the record yep. for the Millennium Signs? So that puts him to 67. Um, he power bombs Tatum, spits on him, which is lovely. Pins him, so that's sixty-eight. We are one away from it being nice. And then he's, he just grabs grabs a microphone just in case you don't know how to count. It's now sixty-eight and oh. He barks into the mic for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he says that, uh, and then he says, and then he says something weird along lines of, and the and the message is in di- is in direction. It's directed to you, Goldberg. Every time Sid Vicious enters this ring, he'll have a win and one more step to the top where I shall stand and no man shall cast a stone and knock me down. Come the year 2000, you'll only hear one name, Sid Vicious. And that was his best promo of the night, I think. Yeah, um, and the crowd just starts yelling, Goldberg. Yeah, which I think was kind of the point. But he comes out in the... Uh, uh, the cruiserweight, I, thought, I think, was it a cruiserweight title match between Lenny Lane and Juventud Guerrero? It was indeed, yeah. How big was that cruiserweight champion? I was like, you are. He was. Big. He was a big cruiserweight champion. He yeah, was a big cruiser. Fuck, he was a PT um, cruiser. Actually, that do you know, Lenny Lane versus Juventud Guerrero was actually pretty good. Yes, for, I, I, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, the, the amount of glitter being dispersed between them two was unreal. Yeah, because I wasn't aware of Lenny Lane until this show, but it, I call him Adrian Street from Wish, which is accurate because he comes out, he's got the long blonde hair, he's got the pigtails, he's covered in glitter, he's skipping around, which is all sort of classic Adrian Street. And and, and, and giving the crowd the old... Yeah, shush, yeah, shushing the crowd. I was like, oh, he's been to a that. mega slam show, he knows what he's doing, he's working the crowd. <laughs> But you know, well, he got the um, he got the incredibly unsavoury chance, so he was definitely uh, definitely pissing people off, but not in the uh, <laughs> not in what we'd call the right way today. <laughs> um, oh. But Sid Vicious comes out, he uh, he batters 
hooving to and Lenny Lane catches Hoovy by the throat. But instead of, ch- of powerbombing him, ch- uh, sorry, instead of chokeslamming him, just powerbombs him. I think one of the commentators says, uh, I think it might have been Bobby Heenan, says, I smell 69 uh, in anticipation of uh, Sid's 69th victory. He powerbombs Lodi as well, powerbombs Lenny Lane, pins uh, Lenny and Hoovy uh, to make it 70 and 0. Yeah, I was confused there because the other chap was right behind him, so he could have dragged them on to pull all three, but just for the sake of the cards and the the, the ref chap had. Well, um, they the, the forgot to make the, th- the seventy-one sign. <laughs> no, don't make him do it. Just third one. We've only got two. <laughs> <laughs> this was a cruiserweight championship match, though. Sid should have been the new cruiserweight champion. Oh, exactly. <laughs> the, the, when he when he when he came up when. The crowd, you could see the turn and all the crowd going, oh, I was like, please don't be Sid. And then I was like, oh, there's the leather waistcoat. And I was too busy admiring Hooventude's um, In Your House colour palette for wrestling gear. That was beautiful. I was like, oh, it's, it's picked a nice colour palette there. He's all shiny. He's got the nice towns and the, the high hues. But until, you realize it, until you realise he had baby juice written on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> which just sounds is not good. Which just sounds well, it's twenty twenty one, so it's even worse. Look, <laughs> last year never happened, right? I'm still on a delay. <laughs> but yeah, he should have been the new that would have been better going, I'm climbing the mountain. Cruiserweight title over the shoulder. <clears throat> Take yeah. But the uh, the lights go down and Sid's there and the total just keeps getting higher and higher. Seems there's no end to the madness that keeps happening and happening. He likes to repeat stuff weirdly, does uh, does Sid Vicious. In a previous episode we looked at, he decided to repeat that he's going to be six foot nine and three hundred pounds today. He was that yesterday, and he'll be that tomorrow. Ooh. So I think he was just bragging about maintaining his weight and not shrinking. <laughs> um, he says nobody has the guts to uh, to come try and stop him. And there's good reason because if you make that mistake. Uh, and he says, if you will, cameraman. Um, so he's directing the show as he goes I along. I was quite polite. If you will, cameraman. So, you know, this is what I mean. Re- <laughs> yeah. refers, to, refers to Charles Robinson as his stooge. Points oh. out the record. He's marching higher and higher and higher. And, you know, he got some, he got some decent got some decent booze out of it. And the, the Goldberg chant started. And he's, he's very blatantly manipulating the crowd, saying, I can faintly hear the chant for Goldberg. I can barely hear it as we get ever closer to the year 2000 and it'll get less and less in the name and he repeats his own name ad nauseum for what felt like 17 minutes. Um, <laughs> will be all you can hear. And then he keeps, he, but he does the, he does like a, a bit of a panther thing. He's like, I said Sid will be the only name we can hear. And then telling the crowd not to chant Goldberg, saying Goldberg, in year 2000, Goldberg won't be there anymore, Hulk Hogan won't be there anymore, Sting won't be there anymore. He said, only I will stand here anymore, which is grammatical bollocks. <laughs> uh, and then he says, uh, only I for the ma- for the master is in the house. And then he drops the mic on Lenny Lane's chest, who sells it as if it's as if it's like a, it's like a dumbbell just been dropped on his chest. <laughs> so I, mean, I always I always give any show I always give any raw or nitro that we look at, like give them credit for managing to just weave a story throughout the show, because the whole sh- the show started with with a recap of Sid Vicious's streak. Yeah. Then he comes out in the opener, comes out later on. Mm. And I think that's the uh, that's only the last time we see him until he's um, part of the running. Is he part of the running in the main event or did he not bother? He, yeah, he, he, he appears. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, and he comes out to help uh, Rick Steiner as well. Rick Steiner, who I've noted down as a really jacked looking Lee Evans. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I think just because he was one of the, the focal points of the show, good, good or bad or, or just laughing at him, Sid definitely deserves a mention. You've got yeah, some... It was definitely like the... It felt to me like it was definitely the, the Sid show. No matter what was going on, Sid was going to be the main focal point. It was... After watching, I genuinely felt like it was Sid versus Goldberg. I don't care who's relevant champion anywhere else. This is this is the storyline. So everything else in between is just you lot waiting for me to walk out in my underpants because the promoter said, stay in your gear, you might have to go back out in the next match. And then I've got time to film. <laughs> I've gone, no, I've been out twice now. I'm not going out again. And he's going, Sid, you're going out. Fuck's sake. Here I go again. <laughs> Unless yeah. he never came out dressed as Hulk Hogan and got called a racist. I don't know who did that, but that must have been fucking terrible. <laughs> Fuck. But Fuck. Really, it, 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 it redeemed himself coming out dressed as uh, Stone Cold, though. <laughs> Biggest pop of the night, baby. Send him home. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. Yeah, I was just going to say, what I loved about this Sid storyline was that commitment he gave to a short-term gimmick. But, you know, you get people like Bret Hart, who are the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Sid is completely focused on being the best wrestler in the year 2000. He knows he's going to fall off a cliff after that. He's just building himself <laughs> up one year. That, that's all we can expect from him. That's the best-case scenario. <laughs> well, Sid was, Sid was actually quite a smart man, because he knew that the best wrestler of 2001 was going to be Kane. So he knew he had a, he knew he had a, he had a he had a decent time for him to make it while the sun shone, and he was he was trying bless him. Oh, Scott Steiner was the man in WCW in two thousand and one. So. And that's the year they fucked off. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's, um, it's karma for throwing Kimberly out of that car. The bastard! What an absolute fucking swine! So, do we think that Sid's streak should go on the uh, on the uh, top five? Yeah, because he genuinely owned it, which was great to watch. Because part of it was, there are a few notes in here where it genuinely says, where's Sid, question mark, question mark. Oh, here he is. (laughs) (laughs) Dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, here he is, dickhead, with jacked Lee Evans. (laughs) Is one one of my comments. I don't get that because Lee Evans has never had a beard as magnificent as Scott uh, Steiner's. No, 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 no. When Steiner's in and he pushes the ref and tells him to back off, at one moment, Steiner's head is to one side and I went, oh my God, it's Lee Evans in the XL. <laughs> 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 the, the shape of that ginormous face of his and the way it's turned, I was like, oh! It's Lee Evans, especially doing the walk up and down. And he's doing the, the shop gimmick about trying new shoes on. I was like, it's Lee Evans. Apart from obviously the facial hair that him and his brother swapped out. So I just thought he looked like somebody had pumped Negan out of a walking dead full of steroids. <laughs> will, 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 Sid. I'm going to be your friend. We're going to fuck shit up. Just comes out with a bad boy of baseball bat. <laughs> See, this, this is my brother. In bat form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eye popping head bonks all around. <laughs> the thick unit of a man, good lord. Do you need a moment there, Nash? You're right. Mm. I just love wrestling. It's quite nice. It's entertaining. Sorry. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It bloody is when it comes back properly. Mm. 
Well, I've got my ticket booked for the next Rise show, so... Well, I won't be here because I'm out of the country. Oh, well, fuck you, then I might not bother. <laughs> I, will. I will. I will. So my next one, and, and again, it's probably a bit of a negative, it's the Hulk Hogan reset. So he came to oh. WCW as the red and yellow. He had this transformation when his career was stagnating, really. And he goes into the NWR and becomes one of the biggest things in the industry. And then he has to transition to something else. And instead of it being something new, he goes back into the 80s shtick. And it's just, you you were watching this show and you're thinking, am I watching 99 WCW or am I watching 95 WCW? It just felt like stepping back in time. Especially as they're doing a promo with Mean Gene. It's probably oh, back into 85. It, that, was, that was such a, uh, if, it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. And that well, was cool. One thing I did enjoy about this uh, promo, where he, he does say that the, uh, a straight line is the uh, shortest distance between two points. So he's talking about Euclidean geometry, and I always like that in a promo. But... <laughs> <laughs> Rob's Rob. Nash, Nash help Rob started with the big smart words And my brain doesn't know what to do What the hell are you doing Rob Don't make me ring the bell three times <laughs> But mean, mean Gene starts this off by saying That he's rolled five sevens in a row So that's not going to help him in the art And Yeah Hulk Hogan comes out He says it's nice to see The uh, red and yellow sea here in uh, in Vegas town and it's just, it's, it's your typical sort of Hulk Hogan 80s cocaine promo. It, it was, it just felt so dated at this point. It was, it was awful. And he, he had Mean Gene doing the um, hand-waving thing to the crowd as well, didn't he? So it was like... I don't know, stop paying attention. Oh, it was awful. But it, it, this whole storyline is that... Lex Luger's been trying to sow doubt that uh, Sting can trust Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. And Hulk Hogan's there referencing that uh, his son rang, rang him up and he's calling him Nitro Nick and saying that he, his promise to his son is not going to stab Sting in the back. I mean, would, would his son really care? Nitro Nick. Nitro Nick. That was Hulk Hogan. That, that was Hulk Hogan's version of when... When you're at school and a chav says to you, Ian, all right, I swear down, I swear on my mum's life, right? <laughs> that means you're full of shit, you little scrotum. Hang on. did Was Nitro Nick the reason why Hulk Hogan was in a dressing room getting dressed, but not properly getting dressed, and he's going, where's my bag, man? Brother, where's my bag? Have you seen my bag? And then Nick, Nitro Nick turns up and goes, Dad, I've got your stuff right here. And hands him the red and yellow, and he opens it and goes, is this all we got? I'm going to have to wear this. And then makes his entrance as red and yellow Hogan. Is that, is, is that part of that before this point, obviously? Yeah. yeah. Ah, that, that makes perfect sense. It's all natural, Nick's fault. Jesus, was that how it actually happened? No, yeah. no, he'd he, he done a face turn. Because I fully believe that that is how it could happen. The, the face <laughs> turn itself was actually quite good. The, the, all of a sudden, sort of the... Um, and I, I do actually really like Hulk Hogan's face WCW theme, the American made. Um, yeah. Mm, it, it's, no, it's no Jim Johnston. Is it Jim Johnston? Banger, the original? I am a real American. 
Fight for the right of every man. Do, 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 do. Fuck, fuck, I could be here all night, Jack. Stop me. <laughs> on the Spotify playlist. It comes out and, you know, the crowd, the crowd are really wild for it. But then, it, as I say, it felt like we jumped in the time machine. It just mm. felt really dated. And, and for me, that, that's not a good thing. The, nostalgia acts one thing, but this just felt like... And considering we'd had the whole rebranding of the show and, you know, Harlem Heat had got back together. So they'd been separated for a while and all of a sudden they're wearing their old ring gear. And it just felt like um, Kevin Nash had just hit a massive reset on the whole product and sent it back several years. It goes back to one of our favourite um, favorite phrases for like 95, 96 WWF, which is disparity in tone, except WCW are going the other way, where WWF were struggling between the new generation era and the Attitude Era, trying to find the balance or trying to transition into the Attitude Era. Yeah, Nitro have done the cutting edge thing, hit their peak, and have then just gone, well, shit, where do we go from here? And rather than try some, rather than try, like, commit completely to the new, they've gone, well, let's just go back to a few of the old favourites just to make sure we don't completely cock it up. Yeah, but see, in yeah. doing that, it's just so garbled. And you watch, like you say, Rob, is it, is it 85, is it 95, is it 99? Where yeah. are we? It's like, it's like, whenever I think of WCW, I always think of Hogan as NWO, black and white. So it seem in the red and yellow again, bizarre. Bizarre, bizarre, bizarre. So, do you two think this should go on the top five, or? Yeah, yeah. I don't see what. Yeah, it's a definitive, a definitive moment where you're looking and going. Mm. It, it, it leaves a taste in your mouth, whether it's good or bad. It's a memorable thing. You, it's you've watched the show and you and, and you're going back and going, oh crap. It's not something you've so you've seen and gone. Oh, I enjoyed that, but it can also be deleted by the next thing that happens. It's definitely it's something that's standing out. So yeah, I, I, I think it should. I think it should. Yeah, I, do, I did have I did have part of um, well something relating to Hogan uh, to put in for my uh, for my next thing, which um, which we'll come to. But I think yeah, the promo was it was such it was a, it was a throwback, but in the worst way possible. Yeah. I think is is the nicest thing I can say about it, <laughs> but then, but then you even saw that later in Sting's, uh, or was it later or, or earlier in uh, Sting's promo? Yeah, like Sting comes out, but he's and he's wearing the crow face paint and the you know the trench coat and all of that, but he's got the surface Sting energy. Yeah, Stizzing is in the his house. I was like, oh, yeah, please never talk like that again, Sting. The crowd was still... like that. Yeah, like, I was confused. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be cheering him for that. You should be booing him for that. You should be, you know. Yeah. Just get, get out. You know. And then, he, when he walked down the ring and he gave like a little cheeky wink, I was like, "Oh, he's a nice guy, even though he looks like a bad guy." And then his stizzing is in the his house. I was like, "Oh, for sure, Malfoy." And then he re- then he refused to say the word ass, and then said he was, and then he said, "Don't let your mouth override your butt." And just a grown man saying "butt" on a <laughs> on a wrestling show, it's just like. Uh, oh, just for, for just let him say ass for the love of God. If if, if, you, if you don't let your mouth override your hiney. <laughs> Gotta keep um, it PG for the moms. So yeah, the um, I think Nash, you you alluded to uh, 
to some of the promos on this show earlier. I think we could actually just stick promos as a like. Never mind just Hogan, his re- uh, reversion to the uh, the red and yellow. I think we could just put the promos on the show as a whole down as <laughs> as something. Yeah. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go with her, with Hogan going back to the red and red and yellow. Yeah. The first half hour of the show was promo, basically, by one little cheeky mid-scrap, but which obviously went straight to a promo. I was like, we're here for the next three hours for WCW Nitro, but for the first 30 minutes, we're going to do some talking. I, I can't believe you, you're both shitting on the promos on this show. Scott Steiner randomly, sorry, Rick Steiner randomly shouted at one point, did it feel like eat your bones a bit? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> did he also say... How did it feel to have your bones bent a little? And I was like, bent a little? Like, no, sh- not too much, but just like a little... Yeah, you're like, oh, how did that feel? I'll do it to this, do it to this, but how did that bone feel? Tell me how your bones feel. Yeah. Uh, and Sid the, said... the, the Jersey Triad were, were okay. The Jersey... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 sorry, sorry. I need to get this off. So... That scene popped up, and I went, oh. <laughs> right, wait, wait, where's my notes? Just bear with me one moment. Is this, your ne- is this your next point, Ash? Yeah, do you know what? Yes, we're going to go straight into it, because that Jersey vibe, holy shit. Okay, where's it? I had a really nice, it was really negative, but really nice at the same time. Oh, no. I basically put, the, the, the Jersey vibe was like every trainee wrestling show you've ever seen. It was dog shit, but there was a lot of heart involved. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> every, training show, every training show you've ever seen, wonderfully terrible. <laughs> because that ball lad, when he was about to get his head drove into that cake, he went, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and then oh, no, you're, you're, on about, you're on about the Lurdy Nitro party. Oh, bollocks. But no, he was like, we're here in Jersey. Are we here for Lodi? And I was like, oh, they were, they were, they were, they were in Manhattan. He <laughs> <laughs> did the awkward pause where he grabbed him by the head and he was like, they literally looked at each other. You can't see his podcasters, I do apologise. But I went, wink, we'll go now. And he went to throw him and he was like, I'm not quite ready. I'm going to hit this table. The table's not broke. I better pull it with me. After that, they literally must have walked out with the hardest dicks. I was like, "Did you fucking see that? We went straight through the fucking table. The cake went everywhere. We're fucking loading in. Oh my god! Oh, oh fuck! Oh. I, I didn't want to bring up the Lodi Nitro party because the, the Nitro party stuff is invariably terrible. But the, I know, I know. My notes for my notes for this segment go exactly like this. Note it down. I got it wrong. It wasn't Manhattan. Note it down. East side of Brooklyn. Who is that fucking wee nerd? That food looks depressing and the cake looks shit. I'm not even <laughs> glad he got. I'm not even glad he got thrown into the cake. That was terrible. The only good bit was that Bobby Heenan called it a WCW daycare centre. <laughs> I mean, the, the last time we reviewed a Nitro party, an episode with a Nitro party, that there was an auditorium with 1,200 people in. And you know, within a year, we've gone to a gazebo with five people. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know if there's like a Nitro Party exclusive DVD where it's just all of the clips rammed into one. Oh, it was so... 
Somebody, somebody must have compiled that on uh, on YouTube. If somebody managed to, if somebody managed to put a, a playlist of all the lunchtime suicides from WWE.com back in the day on YouTube, then somebody must have gone through all the Nitro Party bollocks. Like it's just, I could see their excitement on the face. Like they must have been looking like going, "All right, you'll grab me, yeah, throw me into the table, I'll sell it." But then we might have to go for a triple power bomb onto the bird. So this is the conversation that's going on between them. And then the producer's going, right, you're going to grab him. He's going to be like, he's like, don't worry, bro. After this, it's me and Lex Luger for this trap. I swear to God. And action. Oh, welcome to the Lodi party. What the fuck? Oh, just, oh, that, the energy in that room or in that gazebo. I was, I was excited. I knew I was so I've never been more excited in my life. When that started, I was like, main event's here. Bring out Michael Buffer. We're going in. Oh. And, and the last Nitro Party we reviewed was sponsored by the Neil Armstrong Museum of Space Exploration. And this Nitro Party had a bowl of Cheetos. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> and, a really, and a really depressing cake. Oh, my God. Oh. You've gone from Neil Armstrong to Cheetos. I mean, the, the, this shows the decline of WCW. For anyone that says that 2000 was the year WCW died, I think this proves no. 99 was the year. <laughs> it was 2000, 2000 was the year they were thinking about pulling the plug. This was when it, when it really went downhill. Somebody's gone, no, let it ride. It might escalate and become great again. It was like, it won't, Jeff. No, but trust the process. The process works. <laughs> <laughs> they sold out the gazebo, though. <laughs> Maximum capacity of six. I think you'll count eight heads in there. Ooh, money, money. <sighs> like Bowler was running it. Oh, the cake probably cost more than the gazebo. <laughs> I, I was going to cover this at the end um, when we talk about why Kevin Nash uh, left creative, but at this point, WCW are losing $5 million a month. And Fuck. How? Where, where is that money going? Obviously, a lot of it's going to talent, but... Jesus, five Yeah, well, apparently Michael Buffer was on 1.6 million a year for doing those intros. Oh, no. But no, no, right, no, I will not hear a word said against Buffer. That was absolutely worth it. Yeah, but, no, Christ, five million a month. Was, was Nash handing out PPE contracts for the British government? <laughs> <laughs> there you go, James. I got political on my own podcast. <laughs> Does Michael Buffer announce every main event for WCW? Yeah, I think pretty much. At this point, yeah. But oh, okay. I, at least, I, at least, I at least with Buffer. Voice for the for the for the for the pay per views, I can't remember any of the WCW pay per views. I think for, no, I'm going to say Slammiversary, but that's TNA. Um, Slambury, Slambury is that Bash at the Beach? That's a WCW one. But uh, I'd save Buffer for him. There's 1.2 mil saved, so you could have Hogan come out three times now. You've saved the money with uh, Michael Buffer. But yeah, Michael Buffer's tones. Do you remember him on Dreamcast with Let's Get Ready to Rumble? The boxing game. Oh, that was good. Oh, I like those times. Good I was, I was going to talk about Buffer at length for my for my next point, but I think we should actually talk about the last two and whether they're going to make it onto the top five or not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do, do we think the Lodi Party... Well, because we've only got one space left, so should the Lodi Party get uh, the final space? Oh, I, I don't want Lodi. I don't want, I don't want the Lodi Party no, on the no. top five of anything. Tainting goodness here. There's, there's, there's so much we can have. So much. Oh, what's your next one? 
Right, I'm gonna have to go back to I'm gonna have to go back to Hogan and the main event. I want to talk about Hogan versus Sting. Oh, boiled big. Well, Buffer adds legitimacy to any sporting event. He could he could give he could give a rundown of how paint dried, or like just review a book of carpet samples and hype it up. Jesus. And it was the it was the full box, but it was the full boxing big fight buffer intro, and it, it it works the crowd every time. I've I've probably mentioned it on here before. I've had the good fortune to be in a stadium when Buffer's announcing a world Ooh. heavyweight boxing a world heavyweight boxing match, and it just it gets it really gets you going, and then you get fucking Hogan, of all things coming out, but the match itself, this is where my uh, my laptop decided to uh, shit itself. And I lost. I lost a really good amount. I lost a good amount of notes. But th- this match was actually the most re- actual wrestling I've ever seen. I think I've ever seen Hulk Hogan do. He did moves. He did moves and shit beyond yeah. just punches and back rakes and eye gouges and all the heel moves he did as a babyface. Oh, but it, was, uh, it wasn't very smooth. A lot of it was quite firm and ugly. In, it doesn't matter. Though. It was. It was. Put, it was putting the effort in. Mm. Like obviously, you you know more about this than I do, Nash. But it just—it looked like he was putting a bit extra in, trying to give people something that the that quite a lot of fans at the time and even now had never seen from him. Yeah, yeah. And this was easily, from like a, from a fan's perspective, was the best wrestling match I've ever seen Hogan involved in. Even even down to like getting the Sting going for the splash hits the first one, Hogan gets the boot up on the second and then get then gets out of the way of the third. Mm. Yeah, so that was. Yeah, that was really cool. And it ends as a lot of Nitros did at that point, and in fact a lot of Raw matches as well, with just some bullshit fuckery and, you know, a big brawl and all of that, and a runoff, and then Hogan's vowing to give Sting another fair shot, and it's the end was what it was. But the actual the actual wrestling involved, and Buffer, and Buffer sort of hyping it up even during their entrances, has sort of played out at this point, even at this point, as Hogan versus Sting was. Mm-hmm. It stuck out as actually something really good. Oh, I definitely wanted a definitive end to that um, that match. So when it happened how it did, I was just like, Ugh. but then Hogan was quite happy to just play it like, oh, thanks, brother. You, I do hit my back, brother, and I promise you, brother, when this happens, brother, brother, we can do this again. And I was like, Sting just popping square in the nose. <laughs> he brothered it out. Brother it to brotherly brother. I was mad as a box of frogs. I mean, I, I put in my notes, it was a much better match than you could possibly have expected from Hulk Hogan at this point. Yeah. Maybe it is relative terms that's that's making it stand out as really good for me, but it was there wasn't a lot to well, there was a, there wasn't a lot to compete with match wise on this card. No. What about the insane clown posse? I mean, fucking hell. Oh, they were on this show. Where? Lodi Party versus Insane Clown Posse. I want to see that happen because fucking hell. Fucking hell. I, I don't, I, that was my first viewing of the Insane Clown Posse, if that even is their name. Silky J and his pal. I don't know what the fuck the other one's called. Violent J and Saggy, I think. Violent J and Shaggy 2 Dope. Shaggy go fuck. <laughs> they boiled my actual piss. And poor 
sorry, chaps, we're going off tangent, but I need to get it off my chest. Hip hop Rey Mysterio in a set of dungarees <laughs> with no mask. <laughs> didn't um, didn't Mysterio lose his mask to, in a mask versus hair match with uh, yeah. Nash? But it was it was Elizabeth's hair, yeah. That that bothered me because yeah, well, well, it's Rey Mysterio. He's a wonderfully uh, wonderfully quick human. So was Billy Kidman. But the insane clown posse reminded me of the Lodi party because they came with big wrestling tradey dick energy. I'll take a move. I'll sell it for half a second. I'm going to dive back up because it didn't really hurt. <laughs> Stangry now. Uh, the, the, these are noises of displeasure, folks. Oh, just... Oh. I, wish, I wish we were actually recording this because Nash's face is getting redder and redder as he, as he just thinks about insane clown posse beating up a maskless Rey Mysterio. Oh, I love you, Big Joe, but fuck insane clown posse. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I don't know what you gentlemen thought of that match, but fuck, I would fucking reverse over the pair of them quite quickly and go forward and reverse and go forward and reverse and then check that I have definitely reversed. Oh, randomly, wrestling gear-wise, Rey Mysterio's necklace broke at the start of the match, but the insane clown pussyclat party, their chains remained intact, telling me that Rey's jewellery was a better build than these face-painted bumberclats. So, <laughs> Rey Mysterio shopping at uh, Elizabeth Duke. <laughs> he's not even doing the old Lizzie Duke. He's doing, popping down the old Argos and getting the clearance section. Whereas the insane clown Bumberclart party have got some solid steel wrapped with some chains and. Cl- I, 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 I've never wanted anybody to be hurt in a wrestling ring until I saw the insane clown posse. <laughs> The funny thing is, before a couple of weeks ago, or a week ago, however long it was, I messaged Nash just saying that, just about this show, that some shows with low ratings turn out to be really good. Yeah. And vice versa. And uh, I, I, I get the feeling that's not happened this time, but... Your first viewing of an entire Nitro start to finish, and we made you sit through this wank. Oh, the Nitro Girls, the production, the stage, Hulk Hogan... Rey Mysterio, Sid, Punchy McHead Sid. Is it? Did anybody witness the, the flavour? Uh, oh, mm. Brian Nobbs again made me angry. But at least you get to say Nobbs, which is always amazing. Yeah. Bri- I, I noted down Brian Nobbs and fired WWE trainer. That's how I marked that match up. There is a massive pimp in the crowd. <laughs> The only saving grace from this entire show was Vampiro versus Eddie Guerrero. But then again, my recently discussed favourites decided to show their stupid painted faces. Uh, How good was Eddie Guerrero in 1999? How good muscular speed sexy mullet. Man was a god. I actually wrote a god has arrived when Eddie popped out during another one of the Kevin Nash booked altercations. Oh, gentlemen, you've let me drink alcohol and now we talk about wrestling and this is what happens. <laughs> now I'm loving it. Yeah, Eddie Guerrero was uh, Eddie Guerrero was quality and would be for years to come. I just I just want to we um, we talked at length last week about um, about Owen Hart because it was the it, the role we reviewed was only uh, a week or two before Over the Edge, mm. but. 
we'd sort of be. I know we'll get more chances to talk about Eddie, but just how fucking good was Eddie Guerrero in general? Every, every strike, every movement, uh, positioning, where he placed himself in the ring, where anything was happening, absolutely flawless. Just wow. And then, then and he made Vampiro look good. But Vampiro is good. What, what Vampiro, Vampiro like? yeah, there was there was no polish needed for that. <laughs> oh, I just, uh, I'm just regurgitating bullshit where I just heard that Vampiro was a bit shit. Oh, it's not as shit as the insane clown pussy asses. Oh my god, are they still alive? Yeah, they're, they're still touring. Yeah, they, they're physically singing. Are they on? Fuck what the fuck? Yeah, they've got their own uh, promotion, Juggalo Championship Wrestling. So I don't think you're going to get any bookings there anytime soon. Fuck them. You might have to ask him, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Big Joe went out there to wrestle for him. I know, I know. I think he might have worked a show for him when he did uh, Tournament of Death. Hang on. Oh my god, they've actually still got. They haven't aged a day. They well, still... face paint will do that. Well, yeah, I'm just looking at old silent penis and whatever his friend's got. Oh, my God. Yum Yumsler, 2021. What fat beats have we got here? Smell of rain. And that's all they're getting out of me, dickheads. Oh. Well, that's fine. That'll stop us, That'll stop us getting DMCA'd or anything like that. I, I must say, from my memory of the Insane Clown Posse, I expected them to be dog shit. So I, I thought they were maybe, you know, cat or higher. So... This, this, because my expectations were so low, oh. it was slightly better than I was expecting. The, the, the smaller one was the only one willing to do anything, and you could see he was excited, but there was far too much. Like, he'd get hit, he'd lay down and like, and you could literally see his face going, oh, what's coming next? And then the other wrestlers having to guide him through it, and I was like, all oh, right, I take it these are the celebrities for WCW. This is the equivalent of Donald Trump and Vince McMahon shave your head bald match. Vibes gone wrong. Just, yeah, the, the they, they even one, referenced they even referenced on commentary saying uh, how how quote well ICP were doing with very limited training. I and that, part of me was like, mm, I'm pretty sure these lads were in one of the wrestling games, and it might have been one of the backyard wrestling games on PlayStation. It, it was, in, yeah, backyard wrestling, yeah. So my only knowledge of them was on this game playing backyard wrestling and not knowing what the hell the buttons were. Because that's how you play games when you were younger. Oh, I don't need to read the instruction manual. I just push some buttons and see what happens. But yeah, he was quite keen. But the bigger lad, he was like, I'm built for two moves. I'm going to come in. I'm going to hit him. I'll hit him again. And then just for safety, I'm going to tag you in because I don't want to do anything else. And then when he got dropped on his head and thrown out, he was here. You can't see this on the podcast, but this is him looking over in the ring. <laughs> I'm like, you've just been dropped on your head and you've been kicked quite violently in throat. But please tell, please tell me you screenshotted that, Rob. <laughs> it was big dick training energy. That's what that match was. Uh, oh, oh. Mm. Sorry, gentlemen, oh. I went off track there, but oh, that's all right. I'll, I'll have to take your word for it because the only time I've actually set foot, foot in a wrestling ring was to have my photo taken with you. <laughs> How was that for you? Um, well, I was drunk, so I don't really remember it. <laughs> well, well, the revolution. The revolution was very good. I, I, I approve of the revolution. Yeah, gentlemen. So what are we putting as our uh, our fifth thing on the uh, on the list? I was just going to ask, does Hogan versus Sting make it on for you two? 
It, it, it does. I think because the ending angered me so much. But still to watch, as we say, Hogan putting in, putting in the work, going to town and letting Sting do his thing and play the game of, I've got you, brother, you've got me, I've got you, let's go, brother. It was good for that. It's just the, the, mm. the finish. I, I was going to say the only time I've actually seen Hogan put in that that sort of performance is the few snippets I've seen of him in uh, New Japan early in his career. So we've got our top five now. We've got the West Texas Rednecks. We've got Berlin, oh. Sid Streak, the Hogan reboot, and the main event. Hogan getting in twice there. It's just like the Hall of Fame, this, isn't it? <laughs> it's, on, it's, honestly, it's honestly more Hogan than I'd like, but what the fuck else were we going to put in? It, yeah, well, are we allowed to say Chris's name, full name? Is that, is that allowed on the podcast? We're not going to get towed yeah. off. Benoit's we can talk about. Chris Benoit, looking young and ripped as ever. Again, another absolute missile of a human, having his scrappy scrap scrap. And also, Booker T and Stevie. I completely forgot how big Stevie is. He's fucking massive. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. The, the the Rick Steiner Benoit match, Benoit looked looked absolutely brilliant as he always did around this time. Obviously, just saying about his wrestling ability. I'm not going to go into the well documented negative stuff, but just in terms of this episode, just the way he threw German suplex and everything, like oh. just again as a fan, as a fan watching, I was like, fucking hell! And a guy, a guy Steiner's size, because mm. he not was a- just. Steiner's not a. It doesn't look like you can throw him quite calmly. He's, he's a man made. He's a man made of tree trunks. So now it's time for the advert section of the show, where we review the adverts that sponsored WCW Nitro uh, for this episode. Uh, so they were sponsored by Wendy's Hot and Juicy Classic Hamburger. Wendy. Gotta love Wendy's Hot and Juicy Burger. Um, I'm, I'm so gutted they pulled out of the UK. There used to be one in Leeds and one in Bradford, and. Uh, was so much better. There, than used to, there used to be a Wendy's in York, and it was in. Uh, it was actually a, a tiny little franchise in a bowling alley. Whoa. And uh, yeah, Megaville in York used to have a uh, at Clifton Moor used to have a, a Wendy's. In that the fries were shit. Everything was awful oh. apart from the burgers. Oh no, the, the frosty milkshakes were amazing. Oh, the brain freeze! The absolute brain freeze. Loved them. Not even no, not even in that one. There were, even the even the milkshakes and that were wank. Yeah. Yeah. Nitro was sponsored by Menkel Breaks and Shocks. Shocking. So, shocking. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Tony Schiavone said that everyone should run out and buy WCW Mayhem, the game, because it had been released today. He, he's saying that it's released today, and this is the 23rd of August 99. The game didn't actually get released until the 31st of August 99, so... Tony Schiavone's lying. Time. <laughs> Tony Schiavone, you lying bastard. <laughs> nice one, Tony. My kid's crying. He can't get game. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the Facebook comment section in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Facebook in 1999. There was a replay. <laughs> I've just seen Kevin Nash. But what passed me and they told me to jog on. <laughs> There was a replay sponsored by Lugger's Shoes. Lugs with a Z. Lugs. Lugs Shoes. Oh, before Crocs were Crocs. 
And named after he is. Let me choose them. You couldn't see that, but Nash was just like pulling out his earlobes, going, I've got my shoes on. And it was very amusing. You should go see the man wrestle. No, no, no I didn't wrestle. I attend events and pretend to wrestle. Fuck it. I, me and Rob have been in the crowd when you got bored during a match and decided to teach the referee how to referee. Where was this? Uh, Lomo Club in Bradford. I saw you before the show and you were just pissed off to be there. He stopped for a drink on the way to the ring because he walked right past the bar, got a drink from the bar and drank it on the way to the ring and then fell over the top rope. Oh, <laughs> shit. Was this with um, Mark and Pop Punk Kid? I believe it was with uh, the Pop Punk Kid and the eternal trainee Mark Rolls. Yes, God love him. Can I just confirm that somebody had done a review of that show and they put that the ring veteran, the Pop Punk Kid, held this match together. And I was fucking fuming because I had to put the pair of them on the fucking straight and narrow for the finish. I was like, boys, <laughs> we're in this together. It's me, you, and you. Mark, stay the fuck down. Jake, now take his leg. On three, boys. I think I think I think I think I know I think I know that I think I know that might have been. You need to drop some names now, Daniel. Off oh, air. Oh, good. I look forward to the text message. <laughs> the, the fucking the ring veteran. I was like, the ring veteran. So I went, went full swingle. Ring veteran. The ring veteran. Nash just got so many twisting his own balls. Fuck. Just, yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed that night. It was lovely. I went to Tesco's after and I got a, a little bit of spice. I think I had a packet of Rolos and some menthols and then drove home. Was that the little one down the road that I ended up having yeah. to get my tea from? You had to get your tea from? I, I, had, to get, I had to get something to eat from there because I, for, I forgot to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so I had, to, I had to go get a Tesco meal deal because I, uh, I think I'd driven Don Black to, to that one. Of the Tesco Muriel, you mean the backbone of every British wrestler you've ever met. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, the, and, the reason, and the reason for my current physique. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wrestling, I fucking love it. But yes, I uh, can't wait to refine that review and piss myself off even more. It, it's not just the British wrestlers. I've seen Okada walking into a show with a Tesco's bag and looking like he's bought the meal deal. Mm, I'm you've to... also seen Cody Rhodes and Ryback in a Weatherspoons. I have. Uh, I saw Cody at, uh, this is totally off script, in Brad Vegas, PCW did a night in a nightclub, and where we were positioned, the nightclub was off limits because there was no roof in the bathrooms, but you don't see that. Uh, And we met Cody Rhodes in Weatherspoons in Bradford. Um, I once opened a lift to the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. Everybody's got a price. And I went, oh, million dollar man. Shockingly tall. I once eyeballed Razor Ramon's Hall of Fame ring for so long that he put his hand in his pocket. (laughs) 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 It was like, I was back in the club. And then the hand went back in the pocket. I was like, I'm a fucking rob you. I was was at a WCPW show. It was the the Japan World Cup qualifier. Mm. And I was just stood in the queue waiting to get some food just to shitty hot dog and some chips whatever it was and just out from the uh, out from the curtain walks Hanson from War Machine 
big beard and all, carrying the IWGP tag team titles oh. in a Tesco bag. Oh, living the wrestling dream. And okay, he was looking I'm... for somewhere. He was looking for somewhere to get food. I've stood you... between Hanson and Rowe at the Urinals at Evoke in Preston. That must nice. be Rob, 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 Rob felt small in every aspect that day. Can I just I, put one arm on it? Can I just put one arm on either of your shoulders and just feel like a giant pissing for a second? If you piss on my shoes, I won't be mad. I remember dragging Tommy Dreamer in Preston. Me and our last were in the kebab shop. <laughs> Tommy Dreamer in Preston? No, but he was walking down the street looking lost. And I opened the door and I was like, are you all right? I was like, are you hungry? He was like, yeah, I'm hungry. He was like, do you want to come in? He was like, okay. So Tommy Dreamer comes in. So I was like, ah, oh, take a photo with Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> so you got to take the photo. And so I was like, so Tommy, are you going to get a chicken kebab? Chicken kebab? And he's like, hmm, you know what? I'm going to go to Subway. I'm like, you do that, mate. Have a good night. Farewell. See you later. Orders food. Goes home. In the same hotel. Obviously, the audio is totally different now. In the same hotel where in Serico, the Ugandan warrior, I went to elbow drop him in his hotel bed on the on, as we checked in, we've been in the hotel five minutes. So I jumped off a chair to elbow drop him. He moved, I broke his bed, and then left his hotel room and left him to do the damage. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, Nash. I was like, clearly got a shit bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I've had Bubba Ray and Velvet Sky in my car. And then I said, Are you enjoying the British weather? Mm, it's not bad. I was like, well, this is the best you're going to get. And it was raining. I went, welcome to England. And he chortled. And that was the last piece of fucking unit as well. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I managed to uh, I managed to get a, a wry smile out of Seth Rollins. Oh! I went to SummerSlam 2015. Probably mentioned it several thousand times. Um, <laughs> you haven't, you haven't it once, Maybe not on this podcast, but <laughs> just in general yeah. life. <laughs> So it involved a, like a meet and greet breakfast. The two stars who turned up were Paige and Seth Rollins. Um, I think Seth was champion at the time. Paige was an absolute sweetheart. Um, she was just happy to hear an English accent. And Seth was just sat there looking grumpy, which, you know, he's heel at the time, fair enough. And he's, and he, you know, he's just doing hi, how are you? I was like, yeah, not bad mate flew in from England last night, just happy to be here. And he just looked up and just went, I too am thrilled to be here. And I said, yeah, it's not like you've done a million of these this week having to talk to a bunch of fat wankers like me. And he, just, he had to, you know when you can tell that somebody's just desperately trying to hold it, he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he does that stifled smile and nod. Uh, there was an advert for WCW Live, which Tony Giovanni said was the most listened to internet show in the world with Bob Ryder and Jeremy Barash. So Ooh. it... At that, point, attra- at that point, attracting upwards of seven viewers. But it's the most listened to podcast before podcasts were a thing. So, My yeah, well good for them. Good for them. There was an advert for the Nitro Grill. There was a WCW restaurant uh, in Las Vegas. So, fucking oh, oh, yes, it was, wasn't it? I, no, it was. Yeah, I, I remember seeing about this. It, it was very short. I believe it was very short-lived, and uh, you know they, they should have gone with the Hulk Hogan meat shoes. Should have done. Please tell what? me a bit about them, Nash. Uh-huh. Right, <laughs> we don't need to go into it then. Astomania, <laughs> brother. One of the replays was sponsored by Wrangler Jeans. Oh, the vintage jeans for your butt since the early 90s. There was an opportunity to meet Goldberg at the Dean Smith Centre in Chapel Hill. 
That that sounds like he that sounds like he was over here doing like a little tour and just ended up in Leeds. It does. It, it does. Outside Red Hot <laughs> Buffet for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> just been around. Just just waiting for someone to pay for his tea. Yeah. They advertised tomorrow night from when this episode was aired at nine o'clock on QVC. There'd be a special selling WCW body pillows and walkie talkies. That's still for, for the time, right? That is pretty fucking mainstream. Well, but this is the thing Eric Bischoff always says that they had a crap merchandising arm, but they're on QVC selling branded body, body pillows and walkie talkies. Hmm. Yeah, something doesn't add up there. This shop got quite excited with merchandise. Quite ridiculously excited. I mean, they are selling crap merchandise, but they're on QVC. Yeah. Uh, there's an advertisement to log on to WCW.com, which they describe as the best wrestling website in the world. That well, there were only fucking two. I've never typed that in. And in fact, <laughs> what yeah. happens if you type it in now? Oh, this is going to be bad. WCW.com. It turns to WWE.com. Oh. I wonder but why. The viewers can't see it. It loads it up as the WCW network, almost, with WCW content ranging from... Ma- oh, look, gentlemen. Oh, Baywatch side. Baywatch. Yeah. There you go. That, that, that is proof that your phone's listening to your conversation. Siri knows everything. There's an advert for Mike Tenay on the WCW hotline. Ooh. And the ubiquitous 1-800-COLLECT replay. We're just fucking everywhere at this point. Just uh, as we're talking about companies and brands, uh, I'd just like to let it be known that I finished the uh, the peanut butter marshmallow stout from Turning Point. It was very, very delicious, as was the, uh, the 12% maple and whatever it was stout from Brew York. That was rather lovely, so I'm going on to something a little lighter now. A 6% chocolate stout from Raven Hill. Nice. Nice. Um, likewise, uh, I very much enjoyed the uh, the one eye. I gave that uh, 3.5. I gave a 3 to the Costa Rican coffee porter, and I've gone on to a Wild Brewery's Mixed Fermentation IPA, which I've given 4 out of 5 to on untapped, and that's 5.2%. I know it's part of the process, but I never want to hear the word fermentation in the name of a beer. Oh, I don't know why, but it just sounds wrong. These, these hops are going to make love. <laughs> so in terms of shout-outs that we've had for the show, Andy from Bam Bam Podcast said that um, the last episode that we released was the best one we've ever done, although he was a guest on it, so he might be a little bit biased. <laughs> I accept Andy's completely unbiased opinion, and that is him admitting defeat in the so-called Monday Morning Wars that Scottish Danny started. Well, Steve from Bam Bam Podcast congratulated us on being the first podcast ever to go past seven episodes. That was on episode 48 of Bang Bam Podcast. <laughs> yeah, but Steve doesn't believe in numbers beyond seven. He doesn't, no. He, he only accepts that it was beyond seven because someone he knows was on it, which, you know, whatever. Talking about Scottish Danny at Scottish Duggalo on Twitter. Uh, he sent us a list of the head bookers of TNA. So I think he's uh, wanting us to uh, keep going after we've got through uh, Raw and Nitro. I'll, I'll be well up for watching some TNA. I'll, I'll... I would like to return as a guest for some TNA because I have watched a full episode of TNA. 
Uh, so you're, tell, you're telling me you wouldn't like to come back for some 2000 or 2001 WCW? I, count me in, chaps. I mean, I need my eyes open to more of the utter filth, wide-eyed giggle fest that is WCW. My dear God, just, I wish, yeah. I wish, I wish we titled episodes because this episode would be called "Filthy Wide-Eyed Giggle Fest," <laughs> <laughs> featuring Winkerman and Smiles and Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about my son. He's a bit of a pleb, but it's okay. He's on Twitch. <laughs> no, <he's a> <laughs> we got the regular shout out from Joe for in the ring, so thank you very much to the guys there. Um, Chris Bellis at uh, Real Chris Bellis has volunteered to come and watch some 2000 WCW Nitro with us. So if the stars align, we'll definitely have him on the show. Looking for punishment. Love to have you on, Christopher. Yeah. Thievo said that he liked Andy's rant about AEW trying to. Get uh, ratings bumps by bringing celebrities in, and uh, in the next few, I mean, there's Booker T on this episode, so I'm sure there's plenty of uh, scope for uh, stealing uh, Steve-O's impressions and oh, Yeah, lo- lo- love Steve-O. I, uh, I I mentioned on Twitter that I had a little uh, little sort of present and shout out for him on the uh, on last week's episode, so I hope he enjoyed my Vince McMahon impression. Oh, I didn't do- give it to me now live. I'm, I'm not a performing monkey. Um, Don't make me take down my trousers and make you kiss my ass. <laughs> that wasn't even a, a Vince um, impression from yeah, me. That, that, that was a direct just, invite. That's, that's just how he threatens me, with a good time. <laughs> uh, the Burial Ground podcast, at McFerkin Mark, said that um, we've got an awesome podcast and it sounds like we're having a ball. Uh, thank you, sir. We are generally just having a ball because by the end of each podcast, we're usually fairly pissed. Dan, uh, Dan, not Daniel, said that he likes hearing about Russo and Carnet and 97 was a great time for wrestling. Well, you're hearing about Kevin Nash and 99's not a great time for wrestling. He's <laughs> gone downhill pretty quickly. <laughs> but uh, but it's very much appreciated uh, that you've got in touch with the show. And Joe Duran at Wildcat Joe. Asked if there'd been any DWP chat on uh, on the show so far. He runs an ETH bed called DWP, but I did reply to him saying, "Did he mean the Department of Work and Pensions?" I was going to say, is, is there "Yeah, I was going to ask about that." <laughs> well, we've been, to- we've been told not to say that to be political, but what's everyone's opinion on the Department of Work and Pensions? They've got a very massive building in Middle of Leeds that I used to regularly visit to service their networks and printers. Oh, Ooh. what have I? The, the government are listening. It just disconnected and reconnected. What the buggery <laughs> fat happened there? DWP. Oh, I didn't H- do it again. It's okay. HMRC. <laughs> I'm not paying any tax. <laughs> I don't pay a license fee. I don't have my own property, so, you know. Do you I'll... know where I live, dot com? I'm sat under three million in paper nets. <laughs> I was on the BBC iPlayer today and it said do you have a TV licence and you've got the options of yes or no it's like who's going to click no it's like, that, it's like that meme clip that goes around of, of the like football steward who was supposed to be checking people you know like patting them down as they get at the end of the stadium mm. but he's just it's more like he's blessing them he's just running his hands over the top of somebody's clothes not even touching them just, yeah you're fine you're fine <laughs> <laughs> So now it's time for the awards section of the show. So, uh, so Wing Commander, who would you give match of the night to? Oh. 
it's a choice of two. No, choice of three. Who, 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 who? I'm betting that Nash picks ICP versus Filthy Animals. I would rather cut my own dick with a rusty saw and pour salt down it. Do you know what? I'm going to recommend Harlem Heat uh, mm. as my match of the night <laughs> versus those uh, West Texas Rednecks. Purely, purely because Booker yells, double elbow, baby. <laughs> 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 and was, I was that before like, or after they hit it? Just before they hit it, so they it's a terribly loud audible call, but the fact that he puts baby at the end lets you know that Booker just loves what he's doing. Double elbow, baby, shooky ducky. <laughs> but it was so loud, I was like, Oh, book. Thing is, I think he's adding the baby on the end, but then people are questioning, Were we meant to hear that? Were we not meant to hear that? He could have actually just been really smart, or am I giving him too much credit? You're giving him far too much credit. He just really enjoyed the moment and yelled double <laughs> elbow, baby. But it's, not the, the, it's, not the, it's not the worst thing he's yelled on a nitro. Hogan! I'm totally um, going to go ask Steve to do an impression of him saying double elbow, baby, shucky-ducky. Right then, lads, here we go. What the hell? He, he doesn't normally go to the top ropes and it, it, it's going to be... It's a double elbow, baby! Shucky-ducky! Oh, my Goodness, he's out for the count. <laughs> just, just double elbow, baby. And Stevie genuinely like looks at Booker and goes, Oh, okay. <laughs> he whips one of the good boys off. And the, sure enough, out of nowhere, the mystical magic that is wrestling, a double elbow happens. But yeah, I, I, the, 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 the beauty in the hot tags between Harlem Heat. Just their their tag work and everything was crisp and Booker working an arm or a wrist and the exchanges and he he genuinely carried. I can't remember the name of the last chap that was in there, not the one that took the pin, the one before it looked like a lazy cowboy. Barry Windham, Bobby Duncan, yeah, but uh, yeah, not Windham, the other chap. Bobby Duncan, he is dog shit. He is the guy that's in the band that doesn't get any of the chicks. He just drives the guys to the other bars. But he couldn't take a drop kick. He couldn't give a decent punch if he tried. But uh, Booker and uh, Stevie held it like a, a sweet tag team goodness. So everything, that was the only match that I enjoyed the finish of because it was a bit of skullduggery, there was a title change, the drama was there, the enhancement, I enjoyed it well. There was no Sid Vicious requirements <laughs> <laughs> it was a Sid free zone so it got my approval for match of the night my other contenders would have been Eddie Guerrero and Vampiro and also Christopher versus What's-His-Face Rick they were my three but Harlem Heat just that music oh yes though that gentleman that's my choice of the evening Forgot to bring up earlier the uh, the fact that we've actually had another title change, which is surprisingly rare on the episodes we've covered so far. I think this is only the uh, the uh, third uh, third. Is it right? Yeah, we had the, the raw the raw tag team championships. Then we had the US title. Did we? Yes, it was Bret Hart, Roddy Viper. Yeah, yeah, we had that change. Uh, so yeah, for for a title change, and actually just 
I sort of watched this episode and just looked at the West Texas Rednecks and thought, what is this bullshit? <laughs> what is this utter wankery I see before me? And they fucking walk out with the tag team titles, which when the last night... The last, the last Nitro we reviewed made a. It, it was in the midst of a WCW tag team title tournament. So they had this massive vignette, just showing the the prestigious, unparalleled lineage of those titles <laughs> and the great names to have held them and the great tag teams just throughout the past decades. And then Kevin Nash, in his infinite wisdom, it might be a just. I've said it before, just a sexy bastard. But he gave the tag team titles to the wax, the waxed testicle rednecks. Oh, and it was beautiful. It was, yeah, oh. it wasn't though. I mean, what was it? Was it Barry and Kendall Wyndham in this match? Yes. It was. Yeah. And then you had Bobby Dickel and Bobby Duncan Junior. and Kurt oh. Henry. Yeah, it yeah, was Kurt Duncan on the outside. Oh shit! It was, it, oh, it, was, it was a good surprise because if you've got a yeah. Very well working established tag team that are doing it and and and, and the commentary going, he's doing really well. These guys are really submitting themselves as a as a solid tag team, even though that Stevie almost had to take it on singularity. Ooh, I've turned my light on and now my face is really fucking bright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in case in case well, you're not gonna see that, but I thought I was gonna go blind from homebrew. Nash just absolutely scorched his retinas with his phone camera. <laughs> oh, Absolute bell cheddar. But it was, it was, uh, yeah. Just the, lay, the 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 fact that the West Texas squad of rednecks they hung the cowbell and tied it into the top rope turnbuckle. I was like, mm, part of me thinks that that cowbell is going to get a little bit of a tension. I just, they just, it was like it was like having a donut and having your sprinklings put on it, and you didn't know which part you wanted to eat first because there was a bit of variant to it all. It was nice. It was nice. As I say, now see justice. So it was a good clean match. <laughs> <laughs> Every match on this card without Sid Justice gets a bonus point. <laughs> well, that no Sid Justice interference. That match is going straight up the board. Yeah, but that's how Meltzer rates his, uh, his matches. <laughs> no Minus Sid. three stars, too much Sid. <laughs> Next match. <laughs> Plus yeah, seven match. stars, Omega is involved. <laughs> My match of the night is Vampiro versus Eddie Guerrero. Brother. Good man. My match of the night for exceeding all expectations, even though it had a dirty finish, was Hogan versus Sting. Oh. Yeah, it gets... Just because it, it caught me by surprise. I enjoyed that. I woke up for that. I was, I was actually paying attention. <laughs> it was better than you could possibly expect. Who's your MVP of the night? Oh, part of me wants to be really, really real and say the massive pimp that was in the crowd in the pink suit, but <laughs> I, have to, I have to put him to one side and just be like, okay, he, he, he's, I'm not about that pimp life. I have to say, Eddie, when he came down for the uh, like the, the little shenanigans that cracked off and he dived in and the, the speed in which he went to whip one of the ICP boys in the head and fire across and they're like oh what's gonna happen here he's obviously not watching previous episodes or future episodes and he was kind of seeing him slide in and how physical it was with stuff and how happy it was in the little embrace with it and then just to the the match the bell had only just rung and vampiro diving onto edit and just the, the clattering and battering 
that was the realest fight I'd seen the entire night. There was nothing spared, nothing missed. Everything had a meaning to it. There was, if it was, oh, <laughs> I, get the, I, get, I get the feeling you're going to do a chef's kiss at the minute. <laughs> no, it's, not, it's not a total <laughs> chef's kiss yet. It, it, it was. It's nice to watch some of that's somebody. Somebody is invested in what they're doing there. So how he, how he did everything in the ring, and how he, how he, how his character and how his person is in there. He, he gave you everything. You arrived. You watched. It was pop, 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 pop. It wasn't just a kiss of. You have a punch. Come here, do a do a clothesline. Try to see how that goes. It looked real. That was like a. a it, it was a. It, he he was there earning his spot, or what? Or, or, or earning his spot and elevating himself, no matter where he was booked, given the state of Kevin Nash's routines from the show. So yeah, MVP for the night was Eddie, just for for being Eddie. He didn't need. A Sid hype. <laughs> he didn't need a mountain to climb. He didn't need a score chart. He didn't need the insane clown bumper class. He came out. He battered. He got chinned. He battered again. Back and forth. Oh, it, it, it looked bad. Yeah, I imagine as he walked off the back, his face is just like, oh, I can't believe that that was this happened, but then this happened, but then this happened. It's just too believable. It made me turn into a small child. If, if, if somebody, even if I know them on a personal level, if somebody's wrestling a match and I I genuinely just feel like a small child watching wrestling, that's a win for me. I, I, I want to believe, no matter if I'm backstage, in the crowd, upstairs, watching at home, if you make me feel like a little kid watching wrestling, that means more to me than anything else you can put on. Because no matter what the storyline or script is, if I, if I lose all of the... The reality around it, and I'm sucked in. That's it. I, I have no more. I, Eddie, he did that for me. Just he just provided the service of what I wanted to watch. And that is exactly what I mean when I've said a few times on uh, recording this show. I'm a cynical wrestling fan of well, Christ, it must be nearly thirty years. Jesus, I started watching wrestling when I was three. Uh, <laughs> for context. <laughs> Um, but, 30 years we refer to that as a newbie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you youngin coming in here with your lame 30 years but if but if the thing is I, I, you know i've been watching it a long time i'm you know obviously old and, and cynical if if i can get suckered into it then i know it's good doesn't matter when it's from where it's from who's involved if i can get suckered into it and, and invested whether I'm just invested in who wins and I want to see the outcome, or if I'm hating someone or loving someone, or you know, it tugs on your heartstrings, or or I'm laughing, it doesn't matter as long as I'm entertained, and as long as I've got that investment, then it's it's just incredible. It really is, and yeah, I fully get where you're coming from with Eddie. He was he was just incredible, not the wrestler. He was just incredible. Yeah, it wasn't PJ Polacco. It was. Uh... It was never a Portuguese man of war, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> My MVP of the night, I'm giving it to Michael Buffer because oh. he, he adds legitimacy to to anything he touches. He elevates it, and he's just brilliant. And and yes, he costs a lot of money, but 
yeah, he just it just feels like magic in a show that that wasn't great. That that there's that moment when it when it feels world class. Yeah, I can see where where Nash was coming from, and same as you, Rob. I can you know I, I extolled Buffer's virtues early, earlier, but my MVP of the night, and I think Nash is going to rip me a new arsehole for this one, but not my MVP, Sid. No, because for for as often you know as often as he got trotted out, and it could be the Sid vicious drinking game where you take a swig every time he turns up. And as much as we laughed at the promos, like you said, Robbie, he was committed to a short-term gimmick. He was making the best of it. Yeah. And, you know, if if someone's going to walk out and deck two or three guys, he needs to look like Sid Vicious. He needs to be six foot nine and 300 pounds yesterday, today and tomorrow. Now, that's a really good callback. And I'll mention it earlier, but still, I'm proud of that. <laughs> yeah, he just he did the job. He had he was building the whole Goldberg thing. I think one of the things that really worked against him in that, you know, trying to break Goldberg's streak, was the fact that you had DDP trying to go after Goldberg as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're kind of diluting the whole going after Goldberg thing, unless obviously we've watched a show in isolation. But to me, that leads to a natural coming together between Sid Vicious and the Jersey Triad. If you then add the Jersey Triad to Sid's streak then you know I, I don't you know I don't know wrestling I like to think I know a thing or two about writing given given my uh, my background you know how to, how to craft a story and whatnot but yeah I thought Sid did 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 his best with with what he was given and you know building the whole streak thing's a good idea the building to you know building towards a new millennium the trying something different so yeah Sid for me yeah no I agree I agree it was good it Basically, from watching that one singular episode of WCW, the story literally is Sid Goldberg. No, any everything else around it is just slightly attached in some way, shape, or form. There's, a, there's quite a, there's, there's a decent smattering of of uh, Hogan and Sting, mm. but, and, but, and the but and the main the title is not revolution. The, the, the main the main title wasn't as important as Sid. And Goldberg. So it's the, the, the end result being two very big jacked meat on meat men finally getting together to knock 26 shades of shit out of each other. Big meat men big slapping meat. Big meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, everything else around there was the garnish. And the main meal, the main course, is Big Sting. The meat and potatoes. Big, big Sid, sorry. And Big Goldberg. Goldberg Spears tonight. Oh, if you had a pooing problem, send for Goldberg. <laughs> There's a few upset bowels after them. Oh, God. Oh, what a unit. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Dan. Big Sid. As, as, as many times as he popped out in his trunks and waistcoat tonight, Big Sid. He, he, was a, he was a shining star for the evening. So what was your moment of the night? Jason Momoa, a giant pimp. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, go on, you can have that. <laughs> Why is Jason Momoa in the crowd? What the fuck is that? When I first saw Aquaman, I thought it was Roman Reigns and Eva Marie. <laughs> can you imagine how cardboard that would be? <laughs> I'm Aquaman now. Show me some respect. Hi. Already everything underwater. <laughs> New Jersey. New Jersey party. Oh, oh fuck you, yeah. Check me, bro. I can't, I can't <laughs> know, bro. Oh, shit. Welcome to New 
jersey. I'm about to face plant the cake. Fuck. Oh. Too many. Do you know what? I know, you, you, I know you're giving it to the Lodi Nitro party. That looks so bell, man. I, I need a Lodi t shirt ASAP. I need, I need merch. Lodi party. I'm sorry. It's a Lodi party. Lodi, Lodi. My, my YouTube search will be full of Lodi party now. <laughs> my recommended will be Lodi party. I want to see this from NASA to Nachos. Sad Nachos. <laughs> <laughs> my moment of the night and my MVP will make more sense now that I'm going to tell you this uh, my moment of the night is Buffer announcing Ooh. because as I said before just you see Buffer in the ring looking dapper as all go fuck yourself in his white jacket and you've got just classic Buffer just the singular Buffer voice and the big fight feel and all of that it's any time Buffer's on screen, you know something's going to be immense. And weirdly, a Hogan match actually lived up to it, <laughs> to a point. But yeah, Buffer for me, he was just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I've gone a slightly different way to you, Dan. So it's the DDP versus Goldberg match, and Goldberg's on his way to the ring. And Bam Bam Bigelow runs down oh with the most lethal. <laughs> he's been in the bathroom and found a little pedal bin, and that's what he's <laughs> going to hit him with. Yes. Oh, the <laughs> pedal bin shot. That was fucking garbage. <laughs> Literally, because oh. it was a bin. Yeah, the bridge went. Yeah, but if anybody didn't hear that, that was Nash twatting himself in the back of the head, very likely with a can. Because in wrestling, you get you get them, you know, hitting each other with you know the, these normal sized garbage. Um, <laughs> and Bam Bam Bigelow's found the smallest bin he can. Is that a sanitary towel bin? Can I borrow that for two minutes? Oh my god! And and Goldberg rightly just felt that and just went no. Oh no no no, gents! When did Goldberg? At the end of his pyro, so he inhales everything. When did the kick finally come in? Because I'm sat there and he's coming out and he's going, All right, I'll throw the kick, the pyro will go off. Did he miss he did. the leg kick just because he was going to get hit with that small bin? Yeah, he missed the leg kick. Yeah. Um, oh. I mean, off by this point. Well, you know, this is way past the streak and everything. This oh, is, uh, the leg kick, boom, then the bin on the back of the head. Oh, that'd be beautiful. Yeah, this is after the cattle prod incident. Oh, okay. Now I see. Now I see. Oh, I missed the kick. I missed the kick. I love the kick. Especially when he falls over. <laughs> and just like that, I'm thinking about Shockmaster. <laughs> oh, God, he's fallen on his fucking ass. <laughs> so the most important award of the night, the René Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night, so who would you give that to? Lex Luger. I've never seen a man with a receding hairline decide to just grease it over to one side and still grow a mullet. Hulk Hogan, Paul Heyman. Oh, right. <laughs> let, me get my Lex, let me get my Lex Luger on. So we do a bit of the Lex Luger here, then we have the party here. Oh, oh. For the ladies and gentlemen in the podcast world, I just centre-parted my ever-so-short fringe 
uh, and then used my fingers to accentuate uh, that I have long flowing locks from behind. I basically look like a thumb that was wearing a milk bottle lid from 1993. Remember the foil ones that you could depress and stretch out? Almost like one of your tomato ketchup dispensers from McDonald's that you can spread out into a lovely plate. But it wasn't. But Lex Luger had a terrible mullet. There we are. There's only one winner of this for me. Hands down, it has got to be Berlin's Mohawk. <laughs> what, what a barnet. What an absolute barnet. It was majestic, I think is the word. And, and crap is another. <laughs> but, yeah, it just... Yeah, just... Just very, just almost, I think it was almost shaved bald sides, and it, it really wasn't. They called it a mohawk, but it, it kind of just wasn't. It was just like a, a little island that tapered out into nothing on the back of his head. Wasn't it like a V? Wasn't there like a a gap at the back? Oh, I didn't pay that much attention. Blade. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, got oh, oh, boy. I mean, at that point, imagine just, imagine just somebody walking around like that with the uh, with the trench coat and the neo sunglasses. They must have looked a right dick. Yeah, and, and this is the guy the BBC thought get him on TV. Yeah, <laughs> but I th- again, I think this was I think this was the same logic that led to the sort of the look change in the first place. In that Matrix is quite popular. Yeah. Although I think I'm, they must have started that be, that beforehand, but like I say, very very late tweaks to uh, to tie it in. Yeah. What are you uh, My haircut of the night because he was channeling Rene Goulet is the three hundred and sixty degree mullet of Barry Windham. <laughs> he looked like cousin it from the Adams family, but blonde. <laughs> I will not have a bad word said about the West Texas rednecks. How dare you, Rob? Cousin it, but conceived to banjos. Ring a ding, 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 ding. What was your sign of the night? I applaud anybody who can make a sign for a wrestling show, especially when it's got thick, bold text. And I'm thinking, what do you use? Tin of paint, lots of felt tips, crate paper. But my favourite was somebody had a giant Goldberg in like a running pose and then they had the World Heavyweight title and they would wiggle the the Goldberg and the belt attached. I was like, oh, it's like he's in real life just running towards camera, but it's not him. And then they showed Goldberg walking past the cutout of Goldberg running. I was like, it's double Goldberg. All of the spears. I that saw the fun. Goldberg cutout. I didn't realise that's what it did. Yeah, it was was basically holding it like that, and it was a Goldberg in action, but somebody had managed to cut out a giant piece of Goldberg, I don't know where from. It was huge. Dan? Oh, I was just opening a beer. Apologies. Well, I'm going to go on my usual, just I'm at the bottom of my notes, so I'm going to scroll back up and just look at every notable sign uh, that I saw. There was there weren't that many that I picked up on, actually, going back. I, I, I was There was a fantastic Yorkshire tie-in. Somebody brought a sign that said Otley Rules. What? Oh, fantastic. Seriously, but they, they spelled Otley wrong. They're giving it two T's instead of one. But 
there was a sign in that crowd that said Otley rules. And, you know, misspelling be damned, I, I, it's nice to see Yorkshire represented in 1999 WCW. I, I, am um, led to believe, I don't know if this is still the statistic. I, I'm led to believe that uh, at least in the 90s, Otley had the most pubs per square mile of any town in Britain. I believe that. There was uh, I spotted this during the uh, Jersey Triad promo, where uh, where Canyon and DDP were chattering on, and Bam Bam was stood there being a spare part. Uh, there was a sign that simply said "Shut up and wrestle." Oh, um, I've got to give a shout out to the record for the Millennium signs because they took the time to have them there, and Charles Robinson lift them up, just discard them. So you know, that's a lot of effort to put into. A small part of the gimmick, really. You know, Charles Robinson doesn't need to be there holding those signs. It helps. Obviously, helps the live audience. So fair play. And uh, then Rob, you were actually in the crowd. What? Because in the in the opening segment, as the uh, you know the pyro's going off and all of that, I do believe at some point in the near future you discover time travel because there was somebody that had a sign that just said Rob with an arrow pointing down. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, that's my level of imagination. <laughs> well, I figured, well, I figured it, it, was, it was enough that I'd pick up on it, but not so complex that it confused me. So we've seen so, Tony Khan in his time machine previously. Uh, uh, very yeah. much. But this brings me to the two best signs of the night for me. And the first one simply says, and it, this is on, on theme for the podcast, old men equal low ratings. <laughs> now you can take you can take you can take that in the is it nitro where old men equal low ratings, or is it just uh, just us two old bastards chatting shit uh, oh. that equal low ratings? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my! I think I'm gonna have to give it to this one. Somebody took the time to draw a Teletubby. And put and put DDP's face on it, and called it Dipsy Dallas Page. Yeah, that was brilliant. More BBC tie-ins there. Yeah, more BBC tie-ins. The levels, the levels that we notice on this show, ridiculous. So yeah, uh, Saturday night, Dipsy Dallas Page. Yeah, I saw that. I chuckled at that, and I was like, "Ooh, I like that one." I do think that's nice. Yeah, you, you picked up most of the great signs on this show, but uh, my favourite, and it ties in very much with the podcast. Kevin Nash, why did you book this? <laughs> I've screenshotted it. It's, uh, it's going on the socials. It has to. It has to. So, what would you rate the show out of 10? Six. Bit harsh. Harsh but fair. Six. Oh, you, oh, you think that's harsh? <laughs> Dan, well, Dan show, show him what harsh is. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I'll let, I'll let Nash explain himself first. Six, just my first time seeing the series ever, like a full episode. There was a little bit of everything, but also a little bit too much of one thing. Not enough of another, but then it didn't go as expected. So you couldn't go, this is going to relax. This is how it's going to get. It, it, it was it was a nice little roller coaster, but not the not enough peaks and troughs for me to take it to a higher number. So six six from me. 
Fair enough. I'm uh, I'm not actually massively harsh on it, but you know, this whole show we've said often on this uh, on this podcast that the least important part of the wrestling is the actual wrestling, and for all that we've we've said we've said about it, there wasn't a lot of actual in ring action that that really grabbed me. There was a lot that was that was good, you know, like you say about Eddie Guerrero and all of that, and I enjoyed the main event, but a lot of it was just sort of there. There wasn't really, the, the title change was was a was a high point because I really wasn't expecting it. The, the main strength of this show was the uh, the way they managed to have several stories running through it, and and uh, a lot of them we're going to do this at the start, this at the start, and then another call back here and return to it, return to it, return to it, just to keep... If you're invested in one storyline and not another, you'll see that story come up at the beginning. Oh, I'm invested in that. Then the others will have anything. Not so much, but then it'll come back to it. And it just keeps people... Just whatever you're into, it just keeps you sort of ticking along, which I think was the uh, was, was one of the great strengths. But yeah. the matches, for me, a lot of it just, just didn't land... And again, you know, it's all it's all personal taste. It's the entire point of this podcast. It's all personal taste. So I give the matches a four out of ten. It's not the it's not the worst stuff I've ever watched, but again, just a few a couple of them were just sort of eh, it's fine. And then you had the insane clown posse. Even though there was a yeah, <laughs> does that make sense a little now? Natural why I've given it a four. The promos were. Hmm. <laughs> Serviceable, maybe at best. So you're looking at another four, and then uh, production stuff was actually they were trying. They were they were trying, and the commentary actually was. I don't know about you guys, but the sound I found the sound quality on this show, the commentary was kind of drowned out. Uh, which was a which, which was a the post production yeah which which was a real shame because the commentary was Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan which is always going to be good but then you know you've got buffer and all of that so the, the production I gave a I gave a seven to because it was for the time a, a seven's pretty low because on Raws we've had like eights and nines and and all sorts because they were they were borderline untouchable at that point the storylines. They kept them going through. And like I said, they were trying something different with Sid. But like Hogan and Sting is just reverting to type. The West Texas Rednecks didn't land. I could see what they were going for with Revolution and the filthy animals and stuff like that, but it just it just wasn't... It was all right, but it wasn't quite landing for me, so that was a six. So it is literally... It averages out as... Oh, sorry, the fan response. The fans just... I don't know, I couldn't... I couldn't quite quite get a handle on, on what they wanted to see, except they didn't want to see Lenny Lane. <laughs> Is Vegas a weird crowd though? Because it's not it's not part of the typical crowd. There's probably a lot of people there on, you know, who just, who just turned up who thought, "Oh, this show's on tonight, so we'll go along." Well, even people just getting it for free because the casinos are giving them free tickets and whatnot. And oh yeah, maybe. Um, but either way, the fan response, it's not the worst, you know, it, they weren't sat on the hands the whole night. And there were a few good pops, but it was nothing special, so that's a five. So it it, it literally averages out as as bang average. 
a five out of ten. Yeah, they're, they're, I think they got a bit giddy for the big boy names it, when Goldberg appeared. When Sid appeared the first time, when Goldberg appeared, Hogan. There was a pop for Hogan. There shouldn't have been. No, there shouldn't have been, but there was. Yeah. I'm actually going to give it four out of ten. And I think this is really in contrast to the last Kevin Nash episode that we reviewed, which I thought in terms of production was absolutely masterful. The way Mm. that they ran the DDP, the Canyon and Raven, and Tori Wilson storylines all through the night. You know, everything felt well paced out. It felt really high production qualities. This felt really low production qualities. And a lot of stuff just seems stuffed in there. And one of the examples is we get the scene backstage where Kimball is talking to Kidman about Kidman's, you know, he fancies a nitro girl, he's talking to Kimberly. Then straight after that, we get DDP beating up Kidman because he's been talking to Kimberly. He was beating up Kidman. Yeah, DDP was beating up Kidman and Goldberg interrupted them. And and then straight after that, we get the Jersey Triad with DDP promo. So this was like three segments that should have been spread out over the show, but they just went bam, bam, bam. And obviously Bam Bam Bigelow was there, no pun intended. But they just went one (laughs) after another straight into each other. And it just felt really lazy that they hadn't looked at the show and thought, how are we going to structure this? They just crammed it all together. Well, they'd already taken the most important storylines and gone, right, we're going to spread these out over the show. Oh, shit, what are we going to do with this? Um, the bollocks to you. It's yeah. definitely a whiff of, I'll scratch my friends back because they'll scratch mine. We'll extend on that side. It seems a lot of the, from, from tonight's episode, there was a, a push for the top tier names and a scramble for everybody else. Yeah. So would it surprise you that the community vote on Cage Match rated this show 3 out of 10? Wow, I've been less harsh than Cage Match. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they really hated it. <laughs> That's the rarity. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I can understand that. But I must have been in a good mood. Unusual <laughs> <laughs> for your 1 out of 5 for your beers. And... <laughs> that, that beer deserved it. It was rotten. <laughs> So what do we think about um, Kevin Nash's time in charge of Crave? He fucked it. I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, he came in just after the high. You know, the, the high was a six and we're down to a 2.9 now. Yeah. This, this episode was 28 weeks after Nash's high of 5.7. And I think Nitro's high was a six. Yeah. Oh. So in those 28 weeks... Bear in mind it was a six and his highs are 5.7. In those 28 weeks, they only got four or over eight times, which just really says it all. It, it really feels like the product's been downvalued during this period. It, it's the look of the show, the storylines. You know, the, the, this, this feels like a shadow of what it was six months previously. Do you know what? I actually, I actually regret rating the production as hard as I did because now that I think about it, the um, the set, I mean, the, the set looked okay. The, the moving W's, you know, the moving lumpy W's was decent, but they're just 
<laughs> they had a backdrop to that that was just a black curtain with a load of like white LEDs on it, mm. which was basically screens put, here. yeah, and two crappy little screens when you've got WWE with a big Titan Tron. They've got the big screen. But more than that, it was the, the LEDs and all of that. The exact same setup was used along one wall when Impact ran Wrestling Media Con in the in Bowler's Exhibition Centre in Manchester. They that they had that exact same setup. Of one wall covered in a, in curtain and LED lights. That they you snuck into for free. No, I was I snuck into the first. I snuck into the Rev Pro show for free. Oh. Uh, I had a I had a ticket given to me for the Impact show, and it wasn't even sneaking in because I just followed somebody. I just literally one of my mates was working for the show. I was working that day, and he just said, "Just walk past me and, and act like you belong." <laughs> so Dan was like, "Yo, I'm just strutting in here." Does anybody know where my leather seat is for me to recline and watch this entire show? Do you not know who I am? I'm Dan motherfucking Griffin. It wasn't even that mash. No. Literally, I just I just walked behind um, who it was, who I'll tell you after. Um, just sucked in my gut a little bit. Just like just sort of chunked up the chunked out the shoulders a bit, and they just well, he looks like he belongs here. <laughs> Do you know what? Calling bullshit on you. So Nash, where can people find you? Holy hell, that's a very good question. Hello, where can you find Wing Commander Nash? Let's have a look, uh, because sometimes... At, at Commander Nash 1 on Twitter. Am I? Thank you. I yes. think so. Possibly. Maybe. Oh, yes. On the Twitter, I'm at Commander Nash 1. On the Instagram, type in search Wing Commander Nash. You can also see my beautifully stupid shiny face every fortnight on Twitch, on twitch.tv forward slash Wing Commander Nash. There is no one, there is no other exclamation, there's nothing. You can find me on Facebook as search Wing Commander Nash. Don't try to find me in my real life name because you won't find me because my profile photo is of Pingu. And you can also see me at live shows when live shows return. If I decide to return to live shows after this fantastic time of year. Other than that, you could probably catch me at Leeds and Bradford Airport, flying out regularly to Tenerife, Portugal, and Dubai. And for what it's worth, I would recommend dropping into Nash's streams. They are fantastic. And I am more often than not being there. I'm in the chat just talking shit and acting like the dickhead you uh, tolerate on this podcast. <laughs> I was going to say the dickhead that people love on this podcast, but that would be stretching me look a little bit too far, oh, don't you, you think? Oh, you're lovable, Dan. Don't be so tough on yourself, my friend. Uh, oh, that reminds me, Nash. I'll, uh, I'll uh, pay for you that 50 quid for saying that. Um, Thank you very much. You're very nice. Make it one fifty, please. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Where can people find you, Dan? Uh, you can find me paying wrestlers to say nice things about me on my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm uh, I'm on Twitter at DanGriffin21. I've been watching even less wrestling than usual recently, just because life just life gets in the way occasionally. But generally speaking, I'm tweeting wrestling that's at least six weeks out of date and other nerdy <laughs> bullshit and just general whatever. I occasionally get hold of the at UTT podcast Twitter account. I've not made any major faux pas at the time of recording yet, uh, but it can't be long. Um, and I'm also on the monthly pay-per-view reviews 
on that 90s wrestling podcast, which is at 90s wrestling pod. Yep, I'm also on those um, pay-per-view reviews. You can find the show either on the Nat 90s Wrestling Podcast channel or on our own channel if you search UTT Podcast or on Booking the Territory and any of your favourite podcast providers. Uh, you can find me at UTT Rob. It's more about mutuals than followers, so more than happy to follow back if you choose to follow me. So next week, we're going to move on to Kevin Sullivan. He's, he's coming back and he's bringing the Red Rooster Terry Taylor with him. No. Yay! I remember seeing the Red Rooster as a small child on a WrestleMania video that I got from a video store. And I looked at him in his entrance and I looked at me, Mam. I was like, Mam, what's in his head? And she just went, I've no idea. Then she went out of the lounge and went into the kitchen. That's the end of that story. Yeah. That's the most popular Terry Taylor's ever been. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see if he has any idea about how to book uh, WCW Nitro. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Welcome, everybody, to the east side of Brooklyn. And we're here to celebrate our favorite day of the week, Monday, because it's Nitro time. And here we're here to watch WCW's Nitro. But we're not here just for that. We're here to watch our favorite wrestler, Lodi. Going straight to the top. Over here. Hey, watch out, Stella. We got some macho nachos right here. We got some... Tostitos and salsa over here for our Mexican friends. And most importantly, we got our Lodi cake for our favorite wrestler, Lodi, 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 Lodi. There is nothing that can mess up our...